Hi, I'm Chris Claremont. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics and hopefully reading one of mine. What are you practicing? I'll never tell. That's good. Loose lips, my friend. You know what they do. Avoid. Avoid some things. I wish Jason was back this week. I don't know. Hey, hey cool. what's up? <laughs> you, ru- <laughs> you root it. Uh, that done root it? Yes, you did. Quack, quack. Messed it all damn up. But that's okay. I didn't know we had a thing going. We did. It was all impromptu. I'm going to put my thing down. Go ahead and put your thing down. Things always down. <laughs> to the left, right? Ah, uh, d- depends. And you're on I have a lot of very high-powered alcohol for this week. There you go. Yep. Huh. Wow. Check it before you wreck it, son. Yep. I can appreciate that. Man, talk about the, good doing a 180. I, you know, last week I was. Uh, away on a beautiful vacation celebrating my dad's 70th birthday shout out to my pops and uh and then this week is uh one of the busiest weeks of work of the year so it's like uh it's good it's good to have this respite tonight well it's good to have you back i miss you mofugs oh you were missed definitely missed you bro I haven't really talked comics in a bunch of time because we had surely on two weeks ago and then I wasn't on this past week. So it's been a minute. Yeah. Well, after the first hour, we can start talking comics again. <laughs> the first hour. Damn, bro. Hey, everybody. What is bro. this? <laughs> this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 619. And I am Vince B. Oh, you are Vince B. And I am David A. Price. That may or may not be true. I don't really care because I am above you, for I am one of the Omega Mutants. I am Bennett Dupere. Wow. You're not. This this book has affected you. It has sunk its teeth oh, deep yeah. into you. Yeah. But you're not an Omega-level mutant. You are Omega-level in my heart, but Aww. really you're not. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And this episode has been brought to you by our butamous patrons. That's right. God bless their little souls. They have uh, given to make this possible for everyone, not just themselves, for all of our listeners. See, that's the deal. The patrons support and everyone benefits from it. If you would like to check out what the dealio is on this Patreon thing, go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. That's one one, no apostrophe. And you'll see, you'll glean information as to what is going on and uh, as usual we floated out a list of 11 titles for our patrons to pick this month's book of the month and the sons of bitches done did that but uh david do you have a list handy of what they picked from i can always I do not because it wasn't my it was jason month, so i didn't have i did not have the page it's like it's our first rodeo around here Jesus. no it really it, is. i thought it was going smooth you just fucked it up right there <laughs> 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 i 
All right, you got me on that one. Yeah. All right, we didn't even. I mean, but you, well, you threw us all off because we didn't do the, the. We didn't do anything. Yeah, we, we didn't. Any of the normal things we do. But this, we do. This is the normal things we do. It's called the introduction, son. And and you're we reckoning. We usually it. talk about the book of the month choices until we've done the. But this is a book of the month episode. The patrons picked from eleven books. If I, I remember, books. If you want. All right. Why don't you read them? It was Woodrow's choice. I went all Marvel nostalgia, and the choices were as follows: Alpha Flight Classic Volume One. Avengers Masterworks Volume 5, and for those that don't know, that was uh, a uh, John Buscema run. Uh, Captain America Epic Collection Society of Serpents. Uh, Exiles Volume 1. G.I. Joe Classic Volume 5, a.k.a. The Battle for Springfield. Nick Fury vs. S.H.I.E.L.D. Strike Force Moratori Volume 1. The Nom Volume 1. Wolverine Enemy of the State. X-Force, a force to be reckoned with, and the winner by a hair, Excalibur Classic, Volume 1. Mm-hmm. There you go. By a hair. By a hair. I just got to say, I think some of the patrons are, are a little crazy because we do this cover a day uh, where we do exactly that. We post a cover of a comic a day, and it goes in spurts, as does many good things. You'll get maybe five or seven consecutive issues in a run. And, and the current covers of the day are from the Spirits of Vengeance, yes. um, mini that Just was published that. in 2017. The covers are by Dan Mora and David Curiel. And I don't know why they're not hitting the like button because that Satana is gold. Like that is just butter. And just things are just going by untouched. I don't get it. Maybe it's vacation time. For be. many of our patrons. But anyway, so yes, this is the book of the month, Excalibur, Volume 1. There you go. Yep. What are we drinking? <laughs> Damn, nice setup. How about that? You're really, you're really feeling this book of the month. Well, I guess I'll go first because I, in that, for that reason, I have lined up two. How big are these? 25 ounce. Category five hurricanes. Damn, son. Jesus. And I bet they won't be enough. Damn. <laughs> Jason, what are you drinking, buddy? Uh, I am drinking Schweppes Ruby Red Grapefruit Seltzer. Nice. Match. Grape is grapefruit's awesome. It's one of my favorite. To it's uh, interesting. I don't like grapefruit the fruit at all. Really? I, I drank the hell out of the, the flavor when it's in liquid form. Wow. See, I love the fruit. Mm-hmm. Very yeah, much. Yeah, I'm a big grapefruit. Pink, yeah. pink grapefruit. Um, over yeah. Nah, man. I mean, I love yes. the pink, but I don't love the pink grapefruit, you know oh, what I'm saying? Oh, boy. <laughs> Dap, what are you drinking? Um, well, because it is uh, a book of the month, um, I took this out of the cabinet for a couple of reasons, one of which... Um, because there's a character in our book of the month who um, tends to hit the bottle, and uh, or at least he did until she got washed out into the ocean. But um, the other reason why I'm drinking this particular bottle tonight is because a very near and dear friend of mine um, is now engaged, proposed to his girlfriend, and um, I could not be happier for them both. 
I am going to try to enjoy, because I'm not a real big fan of Scotch whiskey, uh, Monkey Shoulder, because it's a really cool-looking bottle, and because my boy Joe gave it to me uh, for Christmas one year. Actually, no, for my birthday, and um, and because uh, Brian Braddock drinks scotch. So that is what I am going to start with this evening, and I may also enjoy some, um, although, in, in quotes for Jason, enjoy some, uh, I'm going to pronounce it, um, Conmara that uh, was gifted to us by a beautiful listener uh, that we all enjoyed at Jason's house, C2E2 Eve. Truth. There we go. So, yeah. so I'm going with the scotch tonight. That's, that's, that's smoke and the Irish smoke whiskey, stuff. sorry. Yeah, yeah. the Irish whiskey is more is more peaty than the uh, than the scotch whiskey. The scotch, Monkey Shoulders, has a bit more of a honey note. It's kind of sweet, uh, even though it burns, but the, mm-hmm. the Irish whiskey is definitely, um, it, it, it's like someone just got done mowing the grass and you're chomping down on the... How's the mouthfeel on that? Oh, boy. <laughs> a good mouthfeel? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, All right. Vince um, is sitting here thinking, like, can we get Zach back, please? No, right. of course not. I mean, hurricanes. No, they're they're uh, they're very tasty. Now, can you t- what is the exact title of this trade? The Excalibur trade? Excalibur, Excalibur Classic, Classic Volume One. Volume One. Okay. Because I read this book of the month in OG original issues. You did. So I don't know. Um, it, it contains this this volume. This first collection contains the Sorta's Drawn bookshelf, uh, basically Marvel's version of of the prestige format with uh, maybe not so much glossy paper, and the first five issues of the Excalibur ongoing, all by Chris Claremont, Alan Davis, and Paul Neary. It's before Mark Farmer came on to do inks, uh, mostly lettered by Tom. Wojciechowski, there was one issue uh, that he did not do. Um, and the only reason I know that is because it was apparent. Uh, Ors has a definite style. Um, obviously, it was still legible, but it um, it is of an... It, it, it's of its time. Yes. Well, the time is 87. Yep. And... I presume, unlike a lot of Book of the Months, we all read this off the shelf, yeah? True. Yes, we did. Yep. Yes. So so this is a revisit for us all. Yeah. And what, I mean, hell, first of all, it's, my, my introduction, and I'm probably, I'm definitely not alone here, but my introduction to Captain Britain was the two issue Marvel team up where it was his first Mm -hmm. American U.S. appearance. Uh, I love that outfit. I love the the full face mask with the blonde hair showing through the top, um, with his little scepter, and um, his 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 introduction to to Marvel was was saying hello H U L L O to Peter Parker, and um, and and Arcade was involved, and I reread those two issues. I don't know how many times that was by John Byrne. It was also written by Chris Claremont, but art by. Um, John Byrne and Dave Hunt, and um, yeah, it pretty much made me a Captain Britain fan. I may not have read everything that he's ever appeared in, especially a lot of the UK stuff, but um, I became a Captain Britain fan with that, 
And uh, so if you're going to put him in an X-Men spinoff um, with Kitty Pride, with Nightcrawler, uh, and especially drawn by Alan Davis, I mean, you're you're that's ticking off all the boxes for me there. I, I it wouldn't matter what the stories were going to be about or how silly or um, Claremonti and they would be um, you're, you're the, the good definitely outweighed the bad for me. And it was, and because it was, it was, I think slightly, it was a buck 50 cover price. So uh, it, it was a, um, it was a bit, I'd say pricier than, than your standard Marvel fair at the time. I love the team. Um, so much so that I had the entire run bound. So in 25 issue chunks, I, I, I love the book. I thought it was one of the better of the mutant. It, I'll be honest. I thought it was the best mutant team. I would take Excalibur over the X-Men any day back then. Right. Um, I thought the book was inventive and beautifully illustrated, of course, with by Alan Davis. But revisiting these um, six, um, five issues and one exercise issue, it's it's a gorgeous experience. But it is it's maddening. The <laughs> the the dialogue is maddening. Um, the Claremont effect. Yes, to the point where I skimmed the issues four and five. So before we go further, let me let me throw this out. Do you think, and this is off the top of our head, so I realize I'm just throwing this at you guys. Can you think of another creator that is as universally, and I'd say deservedly, loved for the work that he did in his prime, he or she, but who also near universally didn't age well? Then Claremont. I think um, of another person. Right. I'm saying like, yeah. any, like anyone comparable because Claremont, how, I mean, I, I think now whether or not I agree with what you just said, I understand why you're saying it. And I, I certainly feel that way about other Claremont work. Like it's, it's unbelievable how his verbosity is almost become the butt of a joke in modern comics discussion. But you won't find a person, ourselves included, that doesn't consider him to be one of the most important writers in Marvel history. True, it's true. Just I think he's. And, I think he's a great remember, idea, man. Yeah, but like you said, though, we. I mean, but we all have read hundreds of Claremont comics, right? Like not yep. like a dozen, like hundreds. Yes, and we all gobbled them up, and we remember them fondly. Like I remember his X Men run fondly. I remember this book fondly. Like I, you know, I, I just, it's just. It is remarkable, and I I thought about that rereading this, and I thought I could, I was racking my brain thinking who else fits the bill here? Because normally I think if you if you went back and read his stuff now and didn't like it, you would just your opinion or his opinion or place in the pantheon would start to to fall back down. But I don't think, like you said, maybe it's because the 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 characters he created and the ideas he put forth are so unassailable that it doesn't affect his place on the Mount Rushmore, even though, right. Right. Re, I, you know, enjoying his art. I don't know. I would say Marv Wolfman. 
Tomb of Dracula. Interesting. Tomb of Dracula is pretty rough. Okay. Uh, going back uh, and okay. rereading yeah. it, it's it's uh-huh. it's hard to get through. There's a right. lot of exposition. There's a lot of of uh, showing or telling, not showing. Um, I mean, but the art's impeccable. So mm-hmm. it it must be experienced. You need to read Tomb of Dracula, if only for Gene's amazing art. But mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, and I I would throw a lot of Titans in there too, because I mm-hmm. I think his dialogue is is akin to Claremont's sometimes. They're, they're, I don't. No, it's and and yeah, I mean, my, my my reflex would be to swat that out your mouth, but it's 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 it's, it's no, it, it. I mean, I think because when I think of when I think of um, the Titan stories, there's uh, there's who was Donna Troy the first time around. There's there, there's yeah, there, there's the Judas contract, but yeah, there probably would be some that um, that might make me. Uh, like conversations between Wally and Raven or um, Gar being somewhat of a lech. I mean, some of those things might um, make me cringe, but uh, it's not, of course, it's not... Vince's favorite character, Terry. But the um, see, I, I when I first heard Jason's questions, I was thinking about maybe who didn't age well, but not not who whose work do you look back on now and. Um, may find it hard to take and yeah i mean so far you guys are, are i'm 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 agreeing with you um i i i have to read this page to to the to you and and the listeners because this okay. this page typifies chris claremont how far me. how far are we into with the... it's it's when kitty goes shopping with rachel oh okay right so it, have, okay, it says the next day on the west coast of england Okay, good setup, right? So Kitty says, Bless you, Brian, for setting up accounts for us all. And at your old girlfriend's bank, no less. Convenient. I wonder, though, how Megan feels about that. None of my business, thank goodness. Gotta admit, it's nice over here having a having the different denominations come in different sizes and colors. Foreigners can't get as confused with pounds as they can with dollars. On the other hand, even though this is a great store, life would be so much simpler if they took plastic. I always get paranoid carrying money, afraid I'll lose it. One advantage about being a mutant, getting Mm -hmm. mugged is not a major worry. So, Rachel, are we gorgeous or what? Definitely or what? Are you kidding? You look great. Is this really necessary? At least give it a try. Brian has a point, you know. The way you normally dress, it's hard to keep a low profile for yourself or the team. Not respectable enough for local sensibilities, eh? Yeah, something like that. Oh, wow. Take a look. How about this? I have a better idea. That's one freaking page. That's a single page. It is. And it's, it's, it's maddening. Um, a person, especially a person as intelligent as Kitty, unless she had some sort of psych issues where her thoughts raced lightning fast, there's too much. She would be exhausted after like two hours awake if this was her normal thought mm-hmm. pattern. And it, it that's the entirety of these five issues is, is just constant um self-doubt and self-examination and and just scattershot thoughts about everything that so most of the thoughts don't pertain to what's going on in the sequence shown like she's worrying about 
how to spend money and she likes plastic better and it's just who th- it, it, to me it's maddening but the mm-hmm. the 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 safety net the thing that um redeems this entire five five issue run is Alan Davis it, it, well f- yeah okay six issue run Alan Davis it is some of the most gorgeous artwork that has yeah, ever graced boy. the comic page yeah and and so, so see that's the, the problem with me is it a good comic because it's beautifully illustrated but it's not i mean it's it's written well but it's a chore to read so can right. i call this thing does that constitute a good comic if half of the equation is lacking and half is uh supercharged like pretty pictures are great mm-hmm. but do they a comic make i i'm on a parallel universe with you on this which is to say like i don't disagree with anything you're saying and i also even to the point where rereading it this week i i found the dialogue particularly kitty's tedious um i think maybe where where we differ is that for whatever reason maybe my age at the time or whatever uh this is such a beloved series for me and to the point where, however many tens of thousands of comics we've read, y'all know I, I don't. I don't have the. There's a couple weird things about me on the sports side. People are baffled to know that I'm terrible with uh, with 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 jersey numbers. I can tell you the stats and history of almost any player in any sport, but I cannot tell you most players' jersey numbers. It's just not something that registers with me. Completely baffles other sports fans. Similarly, I'm not a cover guy in my memory. I, I just generally don't. Like even with the Klosters and stuff, I, I like pick, picking my favorite covers is almost impossible because I just rarely pay attention to them. Um, and yet, going through this book, every cover of this six issues, I remembered line for line, like perfectly. Like I, I have these images emblazoned in my head. That's how much I love these books. So I don't at all disagree with your criticism. I think it's perfectly fair. But I think that this is like that comfortable pair of jeans for me where I just don't see the warts. I mean, I see them. I'm acknowledging what you're saying. Right. I, like, so I do see them. But it, it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. It's like looking at Quasimodo, but but still wanting to hit that. You know, I don't like I just I I just felt I, I 99 percent of my focus goes on the things that I enjoy about the book, which are the characters and the positive energy and the quirkiness and the integration of the of the Marvel UK stuff and of course Alan's artwork and like you said I love the team everybody on the team I dig um, so I was able to look past the stiltedness of the dialogue but I will say I, I didn't remember how much of this partic- of the six issues is basically all set up Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like I think, unfortunately, if I could go back, I'd have us read the next arc or two, because oh, this is really like a bunch of, of yeah, this is really like a bunch of one issue, one shots um, that set the table for the meaty part of the run, and I didn't remember that it took that long to get to get the thing going. So <laughs> I'm going to be a yeah. little, um, little honest, and then I'm going to be a little bold. Okay. Honestly, had Alan Davis not illustrated the initial blast of Excalibur, I probably wouldn't have read it. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, here's the bold part. If Alan Davis didn't illustrate these issues, I could almost guarantee you we would not be talking about this book right now. Mm-hmm. That's a certainty. Yeah. Without question. Um, or had um, a similar talent, and let's be honest, there's not many. There's not many artists that can compare to Alan Davis. If there wasn't another visual stylist of the level of Alan Davis on this book, we would not be talking about it now. I think mm-hmm. Claremont seriously lucked out, whether it was his machinations that got Alan Davis on the book or whatever. The fact that Alan Davis minted this series was enough inertia to propel it through 125 issues, I think. And the fact that he came back again. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think these issues are um had a lesser talent designed Gatecrasher and the Technet, it would it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, uh, I mean th- those characters are so are so imprinted <laughs> in my mental Rolodex of comics. Yeah, it it's, yeah. and when I think of Excalibur, it's it, it it's it's Alan Davis over anybody else. There isn't anybody it it's one of those things where if you just spout out a bunch of different comic book titles, you, you, you tend to maybe think of certain creators attached to those those characters or that book, but yeah, there's there's no way I wouldn't have it I, this was probably the only X book I was buying at the time. Um I just I guess I was kind of X Men out, but um the rest of the like I, I enjoyed X Men for for Cyclops and for Nightcrawler and for Kitty and so so did not have not have a book with those characters in it all the time. It just it it wasn't um the cuts needed to be made. So so yes, yeah, so, I mean I was happy to see some of these characters in Excalibur. Yeah, I mean you guys said there's it it's for me it was it was Davis's being is is why I, I was with it for as long as I was. And and even after he left the first time and, and I, I still have the um the the James Fry drawn issues with, with Spider Man in them and, and you know, it it's it helped that since Davis is a Brit that, you know, that, that, that made it, it didn't feel like it was somebody trying to, um, do act as though, you know, they, they, Davis could actually draw from experience and, and look outside his window. And, and, and it definitely, um, for me, it, it, it helped with that story. I, I know Claremont loves, Britain and and he you know will try to infuse it in everyday language no matter where I mean even if they're in um, downtown Manhattan it, it's still but it it was a this seemed to really make Claremont happy because he got to write stories set set in England and Scotland and and um, working with someone who is from over there it it. Um, but I, like you said, Vince, it, it, I didn't stick with it till the very end. But when I was, I was happy to know that that Davis was coming back, and um, it it has a special place in my heart. But um, reading this was, um, it wasn't a chore the way some past book of the months have been 
but it was um, part of what I was worried about came true. But for the most part, I, I enjoyed it more than I expected to. Mm-hmm. I don't really so want you, it. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to demean Claremont. But I mean, other than the fact that the the dialogue and the language is is tedious, because if you get, you know, get a piece of paper and just list all of the notable things in these six issues, right? Starting with, you know, Gatecrasher and the TechNet and all the characters that comprise the TechNet. You know, the they're they're amazing characters. Even though Alan Davis brought them to life, the germ of those lines that eventually found their way on the paper came from Claremont, right? And and Rachel. And, and, uh, widget and the, the arcade. Like, there's a lot of good, uh, the war wolves. There's a lot of good to these issues. And I think they're fun, but it's, it's still a little hard to get through them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not saying Claremont's bad. It's just that the, the, the writing is of its time. It's of our time. And it's, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit swampy at times. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's totally fair. Yeah. So, Dap, you said that you weren't really reading other X-Men books. Um, that that what, uh, What's that? No, I was going to say, what, I, I don't, you said 87. I'm trying to remember what. Well, so I, I was going to say, the, the book starts where, where Kitty has this nightmare, and she's talking how about she's so sad that the X-Men are dead. She gets, she has this dream where she's in the Mojo-verse, and the X-Men are back alive, and she's surprised because she thinks they're dead. Um, this all takes place right after the fall of the mutants, the mutant massacre, which is why she thinks the mutants are dead. So, I mean, that was like prime X-Men era for, for certainly for me. So I guess I'm surprised. Did you not really read the, the like fall of the mutants and everything? Was it, were you out, were you out of the mutants I, at that I point? I did. No, I did. I did read, um, I did read fall of the mutants, especially with the Alan Davis uncanny issue and, and, um, there was the uh, the time with Daredevil and Thor and Power Pack, but um, it was was it some of the I'm trying to think of the covers that were out there. Um, yeah, even I so so the, yeah, it was probably shortly after that. I I didn't um, how yeah I wasn't. I kind of bailed before Sylvester came on. Like I don't, I never, I didn't read any of the Outback mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, uh, well, that comes. Yeah, that's when they that comes next. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was just. I guess it was just a little bit, a little bit. I, I, I guess at the time it was. I guess Fall of the Mutants was just a good time for me to maybe just. That, that was uh, the the jumping off point. Of, I hate mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think I was just looking to maybe streamline some things, and and because it was. This is before I would think that, you know, any sort of title that ties into that corner um, or family would lead to a crossover. I guess I figured that, you know, because they're overseas now, that, that it would kind of be its own thing. And I wouldn't have to be bogged down with reading every little thing. And, and if Kitty isn't aware of what the X-Men are doing because everybody thinks they're dead, um, then I don't have to worry so much about um, them showing up uh in the title and, and uh, yeah, there, there were some things where um, I just, I'm a lot of it kind of just becomes a little bit of a blur, but yeah, it was, yeah. Fall of the Mutants was pretty much, I think my, my last hurrah for a while with, mm-hmm. with the X-Men. Gotcha. All right. 
Yep. <laughs> I bought them all. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I can't tell you the uh, specific details of any of the various arcs over the years, but I bought them up until, wow, well after Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. I, I deeply regret I had the opportunity three, four years ago now to buy a few of these pages. And I passed, and I'm, I, I have non-buyer's remorse over that. I would, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's silly. They were not inexpensive. Oh, of course not. Uh, were any of them from issue 16? I don't remember. I had the choice of hundreds of pages, though. Mm. I think 16 is the peak. The uh, Warlord of Mars pastiche issue. I don't, I don't oh, think. yeah. Yeah, with, yeah. Kai, with Kai Loon? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think it got any better than that. Uh, I think there were some Kyloon pages in there, although admittedly that would not have been my my go to. Oh, I would have ate those pages I, up. I would have gotten. I was really looking for a page with Megan featured prominently. Sure, mm. you know, <laughs> there's one page in this thing where um, viewing it as an adult, and when this came out, I was like, "What am I? When did these come out? 87? 87, Yeah. Um. So I was like. Twenty, yeah, in your twenties. It was in my twenties. I was I was thirteen, so yeah, it was yeah. in my twenties. Um, the page where Kurt and Megan are frolicking yes. in, in the room where yes. he's and setting up the pipe, and she's standing over him with her ass and up. She starts changing. Oh, oh God, yeah. kill me, yeah. kill me! Like Kurt, you have resolve of steel to not jump. I mean, he almost did, but to yeah, not jump into play. that pool. Mm. He's a he's a good man, but I mean, eventually he does. But still, yeah, he gets in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's because Brian's an idiot. Yes. Yeah. Right, and she's 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 by nature an an empathy creature. Sure. So yeah. She it's was just natural for her to be omnisexual. Right. She, she can't be around somebody and not feel feel it. Yeah. She's like Corey. she's like what Lobdell turned Starfire into. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. That's why I said it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, there were. I mean, it's Davis is the first one to really kind of make me, um, and it's because of how she fills out the costume. Who actually made me think that you know Rachel is a decent character. I know you know when when she showed up in New Mutants and when she showed up in in Uncanny X Men. It, it's like I just I wasn't it it automatically just felt convoluted because it's like, oh, these are my parents. And, and I just, and I, I don't know what it was about Rachel that just annoyed me. So, but as a member of Excalibur, she's, she's a lot more, um, she, she's confident and she's, and obviously this is a little while after those, those, those events I just mentioned. So, uh, she, she's grown as a character as well, but, um, she, stands her ground against brian especially when they do the like three panel intervention when his whiskey gets whisked into the into the water and and um and she's her her it's like the page vince read where you know she wears what she wants to because that's she she can and and she can pull it off but and yeah it's not a low profile visual but that's that's who she is so it 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 took alan davis to actually make me care about rachel summers um claremont can write a jew that that's there's no <laughs> there's absolutely no if answer buts about that i i i enjoy his his i'm 
I read Kitty's thought bubbles and, and I, and I love the book because it's, it's, it has tons of, of thinking, but it's, it's, um, you know, anything that, that pops into her head, it definitely sounds like something I'd hear, um, at my grandmother's house, at my aunt's house. And, and it's so spot on for that. But, um, as I was, when, when they all move into the lighthouse, it's one of those things where, yeah, Claremont is wordy and, and he likes to tell you, he wants you to read what his artist is drawn on the page. But when they move into the lighthouse and at first, Kitty's the one who's got the biggest problem with it. And, and, and curse just like, listen, you know, we'll, we'll make the best of it. And, uh, Megan just wants everybody there to be happy. And, and things kind of move at a pretty good clip. I mean, then, yeah, of course, Kitty sees a doppelganger and, and now there's a mystery to solve. And, and now she's interested and she wants to stay in the house, but there, there, there are things that happen from not even from issue to issue, but almost from page to page where writers today may decompress that story. So you'd actually know every little thing that the character is thinking to get from point A to point B. Whereas Claremont's just like, yeah, they're, this is their attitude now. And, and it's not, it, it's not so, stark that you know it 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 shocks you or, or takes you out of the story it's just it's it's you know people people's minds can change and and that's that's the way as i was reading it that's it didn't feel so it didn't feel so off to me as as, as i'm reading it i'm like well yeah but just like two pages ago somebody this character said the opposite now whereas like i said today you'd get like you know three extra issues because we'd have to know exactly what the person was feeling, why, why, why they changed their mind to this, to that. And, and like not, not every second of someone's life needs to be um, examined so thoroughly, but it's still parts of this, this collection still read as though we need to get from here to here. And, and yes, Claremont is wordy, but we also only have 20 odd pages to tell the story. And so we need to move it along and, and, whether they were just trying to get their footing and 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 set the stage for everything and and find out if they were going to stick around for more than eight nine months and and that's why these first handful of issues feel like just I mean there's there's a there's an underlying plot throughout each of them but sure um, for the most part yeah I mean you have a two two issue arcade story and then you know before that you know the the, the werewolves kick things off and and um you know the vixen comes and goes and and at least in this collection so there there, there are things that just kind of they they hit it not necessarily hit and quit it but they just they they claremont's like all right this is it then this issue then this issue and and we'll tell a longer story but we want somebody we want readers to get something out of these one or two issues so yeah it, it, at, at first it is a little it's not slapdash but it's definitely if you were to buy a collection today you would expect a a complete um arc and and then you could read them separately on their own this ends with you wanting to know when does brian find out whether or not he finds out that this is if this is really courtney and and um and and when does 
do we ever you may not care if you ever see Colin again you do but you know there, there are just certain things where you kind of it definitely feels like this is the, the collection just ends on um kind of like the way trades used to end on instead mm-hmm. of yeah because yeah. they rigged for the trade they, this was the, right, these were just exactly. the collection yeah. of mm-hmm. of the first handful of issues of of this title and it was it, this was almost like archival instead of a a um an actual complete story that you know mm-hmm. you would then about the people there's something you said along the lines of all that uh, when you said um writers now will tell you everything that kitty was thinking to get mm-hmm. to that certain point i think it's less about storytelling than it is about producing another three issues to sell and another eventual trade to sell claremont wasn't concerned with anything other than the single issue back then right R- right so i mean it's it's a different way of working today where it's yeah. it's done yeah. out of economics now where back then claremont was just being creative Yep, you know, and and just finding ways to give a single sitting reader his money's worth for a buck and a half, twenty two, yeah. twenty two, twenty four pages of story. I I was thinking I was I was leafing through the cross time caper as as I was going through the book, and there's enough free floating concepts in the cross time caper to fuel years of a series these days. Like right, yeah, one yeah. of those stops on the cross time caper could produce six, eight issues easy. Yeah, and there's and the thing is so littered with them. I mean, it goes on for I don't even know how many issues I can count them if you're interested. But um, there, it, it was just a different mindset, a different way of working. They they were producing art for different reasons then, and uh, I'm not going to go out on the limb and say it was purer. It's it wasn't. It was just a different time. But but reading them now, I appreciate the fact that it takes 15, 20 minutes to read an issue, even though nestled within that 15, 20 minutes are these little pockets of, oh, my God, kill me now, because this dialogue <laughs> is so maddening. But you have to give Claremont props. He packed a lot of story into six issues. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's simple. The, the premise of Excalibur is very simple. Jason said it. Uh, the X-Men are presumed dead after the mutant massacre, and the survivors are lamenting their loss. Kitty has a little bit of PTSD um, over the, the incident. She's, she's having nightmares, um, as are other principal players in this thing. But the, the real engine that drives Excalibur is Rachel Summers. Mm-hmm. Everything spins out of Rachel Summers. Yeah, she's the centerpiece of the of the book plot wise for sure. Right. If, if you I think have... Kitty's the the centerpiece from a like she's the star of the book, Kitty, in terms of the because Claremont's so wordy and she's the she's the voice of it. But I agree that Rachel is the the structural plot point that that drives the book. I think Kitty is positioned to. Um, not uh, be a, a cipher for the reader, but Kitty is Kitty is the eyes through which the reader witnesses all this stuff. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, but she's yeah. not the main character. I don't. I don't think she's the principal player in it. No, I don't think. Yeah, it's she's she's the um she's the schlub who shows up in in the Hellboy movie who gets you into this this world so you can 
be aware of what's going on. Right. But it's the um, <laughs> and, uh, and Kitty's so average that anyone can see through Kitty's eyes, which is smart on Claremont's part. I think, but I also it's. See, I, I kind of want to. I'm this close to saying she may be the soul of the team, but I don't. I, I don't know how true that is when you have someone like Nightcrawler there. That's and, what I was going to say. I think Kurt's yeah. the soul of the team. Yeah. Well, he's at least. The, yeah, I think this is the. This isn't the Kitty. Like this is the start of Kitty being. This is not. Is. This is not Whedon's astonishing X Men Kitty, and this is not um, welcome. To the X Men, Kitty. She's she's because because obviously she's missing. You know she's she's feeling the loss of Doug Ramsey, um, the foreshadowing for House of X, and, and she's missing uh, she's missing her her family, her team, and and there's so she's she's the, she's beyond she's just past that awkward age, but there's still she's still dealing with things and, and she hasn't yeah she you, hasn't you really took the words out of my mouth that, that's what i'm saying like for our younger readers that maybe this is the first time they're 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 reading this um th- this is probably going to seem like a very different kitty because but you're right this is the start of kitty going from being the little kid on the team and claremont's always had that that uh he goes from right there there's there was kitty and then there's jubilee and there's there's always like some young Pixie, there's always someone that that plays that cipher on the team, but 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 this is Kitty coming out of that, but not yet to the point where I'd say probably for the last what 15, 20 years she's essentially all grown up. She's a, she's one of the team leaders. She's the usually the voice of reason on the team. She's the rational one, the mature one. So she's if we were to map out the different arcs of the main mutants. Uh, some haven't changed much at all, like Nightcrawler uh, or Colossus. Some have changed an absolute ton, for the better or worse. I think Kitty's toward the far end of the spectrum in terms of how she's changed because they have aged her, and this is the start of that. And then, of course, if we're really going to dig in the crates, you know, at at a later stage in one of the other incarnations of Excalibur, she ends up uh, banging Pete Wisdom. Pete and, Wisdom. And, yeah, I think that yeah. was where she started to change for me. Yeah. Well, because she started being a grown woman sexually active. I mean, that's, right. a, that's a big change, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, she was with Peter for many years, but it wasn't... Yeah, but she doesn't have sex with Peter until after... Like, her right. having sex with Pete Wisdom in the... Con- that's her first... That we at least know of her right. having sex. Right, right. That's the thing. It was just, more like a yeah. childhood romance. With, yeah, yeah. But even though he was a full uh, grown-ass man. Yeah. Um, with <laughs> Pete, Pete Wisdom came in and, you know, he, he, he plucked it. And, and that's where, okay... <laughs> Um, like a like a Krakoan flower, but the, more foreshadowing. But <laughs> the um, the the entirety of Excalibur is built around Rachel. She welched on a deal. It was a lopsided deal, but she she broke a contract with Mojo. Mojo wants her back, and so the the uh, Gatecrasher and the Technet are sent out to retrieve her. She also um, Saturn Nine considers. Rachel, uh, uh, a cosmic anomaly, and she needs to be removed from the equation. So in these first six issues, it's basically um, Gatecrasher and the Technet, Saturn 9, they're all making moves on Rachel. And the rest yeah, of the... they're not making moves. No, and the rest of the team are just caught up in the in the fallout. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's it seems like there's more to the story than that, but there's really not. It's just no, that there's no, so many events within those 
threads that um and then i i thought when i back, way back in the day when the juggernaut appeared i thought okay this is gonna be big this is gonna be huge it's a juggernaut man <laughs> you, you, you know who can stop nobody can stop the juggernaut and the fight was over and like three pages half an issue yeah 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 and and i was i was rooting for the juggernaut if only for alan davis to cut loose right you know but we i mean we got to and again rachel rachel takes out the juggernaut because he didn't have the helmet on he was exposed and bang Mm -hmm. juggernaut goes down but no i mean i I, what no, no, I was going to say, can we talk about what an absolute asshole Brian Braddock is in this? He is. Oh, he big is. time. Yeah. I mean, he's just an abusive, drunk asshole. I mean, yes, he's, he is. He, he treats Megan like absolute shit. Yeah. He can't talk uh, to her, though. He can't have an adult conversation with her. She can't yeah. provide him with the intellectual stimulation he needs. I got two words for you, Brian. And I don't know if I want to say them because, you know, we may be having new listeners on this, but she's not there for you. You're there for, you should be there for each other, right? He doesn't see that. He doesn't, yeah. I mean, she's a gorgeous, innocent, beautiful creature, and he just uses her whenever he can. He's yeah, getting it, yeah. right? But, and he's not yeah, providing. Just, I mean, she's a classic, in this case, she's portrayed as a classic trophy. She's just, yeah. She's just his, his, his arm candy. I will say that when the, uh, the incidents between Kurt and Megan, oh, I love those pages because yes. she's so happy. Yep. You know, she's yeah. giggling, he's bamfing around her, you know, tickling her. That that page is great. And she goes, oh, watch the tail, you know. And it's just, <laughs> it's so innocent and lighthearted and just two characters really connecting and, and, and being with each other. And then she, he calls her and she runs to him like a dog. I don't like to say that, but that's exactly and, what she does. And then, and and again, there are, there's there's a couple of instances where Davis absolutely cements himself as one of my all-time absolute favorite artists and that same page is one example because kurt is beating himself up for for letting that happen because even though he has feelings and and he should be happy and he wants her to be happy he still doesn't really have he sees it as not having a right because Brian got there first. It's Brian's girl and, and don't fuck that up. And his tail is wrapped around his leg yeah, yeah. because he is still feeling that guilty and it's little things like that. And, and, and there's another page where there's a close up on Courtney where she's looking at a framed photo, but the computer monitor also has a reflection and the way he, he illustrated that is just amazing. But the, the little touches, and I don't know, you know, the way Claremont writes, maybe he did say, I want to show Kurt distraught, so maybe you can do something with his tail. Or maybe Alan's like, listen, this is how somebody might feel. And, and you know, you you, you make a fist and, and you can only clench that so hard. So, yeah, if, if you got a tail and, you you know, so it's it's you can't just read this and move on. And then those are the little things that as much as Claremont wants to tell you what his artists are drawing, that's not something that he should be able. That's something he needs to let the artists do and 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 that's that's a treat for your eyes this is what because you could you know you could read that in a novel and and maybe you know come up with it in your mind's eye but but to see that illustrated like that after everything else you've just read on this page it's that's 
the part of what 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 makes comics magic to me but but just i mean the little touches like that are just phenomenal yeah one thing we don't give davis enough credit for yes he's a master of anatomy and he is extremely good with the female form um (laughs) and even the male form he draws the the heroic ideal in 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 male anatomy we don't give alan davis credit for being pretty much a master of humor too I mean, absolutely yeah no. he, oh yeah. yeah yeah he can pull off like when courtney is is doing her shtick to save her life in in murder yes. those those panels are phenomenal and it's just that you have this beautiful woman dancing and telling jokes to save her life and the, the crowd is going nuts and uh i just think he we we don't tip our hat enough for the funny stuff to alan and even gatecrasher and the Technet, they're funny characters. Oh, I mean, yeah. Gatecrasher, you know, is is humorous alone. But when when you start adding up Lizard and all the other ones, and it's just, um, it's he is the one of the consummate illustrators. In, in I'm not, not going to say comics in, in any medium. He is a he's a master illustrator. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, now, you, so you guys read the trade? Do they have the back covers? Of the issues, they have there? the the pinup the pinup pages of the characters. What are they? Uh, there's Megan in the woods with with fox and birds. There's um, okay. There's so those Kitty are th- face through the yeah. Those were the back covers. Okay. Yeah. Kurt's because this was uh, a direct market book. Yeah, Kurt's on the trapeze and yes. Brian's standing all by himself, thinking about what a dickhead he is and. Yeah. No, he's yeah. not. He's not thinking about what a dickhead he is. He's thinking about how great he is. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I can't believe that uh, they haven't brought the TechNet back ever. Right? Well, no, they were in. Um... No, no. I mean, I mean, like, I don't, I don't mean from this comic. I mean, but like after Excalibur, I'm saying they haven't. Oh, right. Like in the last twenty years, I'm saying. Give Hickman time. The uh... Uh, listen, if he has, if he brings Body Bag back, uh, oh my god, forget it. The, the um you heard <laughs> you heard <laughs> what a great concept yeah for real i mean all of the the tech net the concepts are great the um and i i know i for the longest time now i i was familiar with with paul neary because he penciled captain america for a while and mm-hmm. um and that was different than mike zek but I still dug it. And then when I found out, you know, oh, snap, he's, he's, he's an anchor as well. And he's inking Alan Davis. And that looks pretty cool. And, and I, few, few creative teams, few penciler and anchor teams are as on the pedestal for me as Davis and Farmer is. But Neary, Neary was it for me while he was working on Excalibur with Alan. And, and it was just some they, – they, they do – Really good work together. He doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't cover Davis's work. You obviously still see the beautiful lines, and and they do work really well together. It wasn't until Farmer with those, those gorgeous curves and 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 the brushwork, but um, yeah, I can't. It, it and it's it was like we briefly discussed last week with with the whole Gil Kane and Wally Wood thing, and you know, even though I knew what Paul Neary's artwork looked like. On Captain America, I really couldn't see like Neary didn't do a a, a Klaus 
or, or a Palmer on on Davis here. You still you still let Allen is the star. Paul did some fantastic work embellishing it, but you can still tell that um, that Allen is doing his magic. So I mean, the art the art is fantastic, it, obviously. But it, it's I'm glad that um, that that these two worked well enough together where um, any mistakes that were made are, are extremely well hidden. Uh, mistakes. That's right. I mean, as I'm saying, like if, if if any exist, if any exist ever, but no, it, it's um. I think Neary compliments Davis on a, an equal level as Farmer complimented Davis. Obviously, it's a much more delicate like yeah. that depth. It's a delicate thinner line. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, but I ain't mad at it at all. No. I mean, it's hard for me to think of Alan Davis and not think of Mark Farmer. I mean, because even to this day, they travel to cons. Right? It's, they're yeah. almost inextricable. But yeah, no. I mean, I, I, I don't. I'm not mad at Neary on this. That's, uh, it's, yeah. Because it's the same Paul Neary who also inked Hitch on the Ultimates. I mean, the man, yeah, man, for sure. fantastic work. He's not, mm-hmm. but yeah, he definitely he doesn't he doesn't overpower. Where where you can kind of see where if, if after you read this, after you look at. Anybody else on Alan Davis, and then look at Mark Farmer. You can kind of see where yeah. where Farmer enhances it and and adds to it. Um, everybody else before Farmer pretty much just let Alan be Alan. It's almost like Al Milgram inking someone. It's just like you know, listen, I'm just going to let the penciler do his thing. So yeah, no, there's def- there's nothing to be mad at on this. I just I do think, like you said, Jason, when when I do think of Davis, I think of Mark mm-hmm. Farmer. So I'm not disappointed when someone else shows me work that that someone else inked over Alan Davis, but um, they're, they're just in my head that there are certain things I look for, but no, it's, it's still, it's still fantastic. I mean, even the double page spreads when, when the, when um, in the, uh, in the fourth issue, the fifth issue where um, the, uh, the bodies are switched and, um, and, and, you know, just, just the way everybody's either standing there, but even then, I mean, everything, everybody looks great. There's no, I mean, the backgrounds are fantastic. It's, it's still some, some amazing immaculate work. That's the thing. I mean, the thing about I love about Alan Davis here is you just see him in all his glory, which is to say, with the tech net, he he could have just. I mean, I I presume, and I don't know this for a fact who's seen the scripts, but I presume Claremont didn't give him many, if any, notes as to what the tech net characters look like. I see him probably telling him, okay, there's this character with this power, and this character with this name and this power. He could have easily made it look like a bunch of humanoid people that just had costumes, and one could shrink you, and one could could give you right i mean that we've seen that a million times there's many many villain teams nondescript villain teams that are just humans in costumes and and instead he gave us these completely different and i'm sure much harder to draw on a on a panel um body types right i mean and 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 skin tones and skin colors and uh and then he didn't skimp on showing us each of their powers in 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 on display right i mean like the visual challenge of drawing somebody shrinking or turning into gelatinous, you know, waxworks is power where you basically take, make them mm. ju- like, or, or, or scatterbrain turning, drawing the, 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 the multicolored spheres to imply that, that you're kind of tripping or you're on high or whatever. It, it just, he, he just, it, it's just incredible the all the different types of cartooning that he does in this book. Um, and it's not atypical for Dallin Davis, but I'm saying this is, this is definitely him on full display. Um, as a storyteller, uh, and I'm going to have to just guess that most of this is from his mind because I just I don't see maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see Claremont saying, "Okay, uh, China Doll is a blue leather skinned female with a 
you know, with the snake. T- I just, right. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe well, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Kind of micromanager. I but. don't. I think the the TechNet may be an Alan Moore creation. I was going to. Ask. Oh yeah, no, you're right. Because oh, maybe you're right. Yeah. I, the TechNet appeared in Captain Britain before they right, appeared yeah, in yeah. Excalibur. Okay, so maybe it. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. And that actually that 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 is something I did have written down here. How much as as someone who's I don't own the Cat Britain um, I have and, and I can check. Okay. Good. Um how much is it Claremont oh, writing oh, Brian is 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 that does this feel like a natural progression from from when Moore was writing the character, or is this Claremont taking over the character, or just doing Captain Britain the way he wants to? Just for the record, uh, you are right, Vince, but but it was drawn and created by Alan Davis in Captain Britain. Nice. So so I'm back on my point, which is that he created all these characters. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Captain Britain number four is uh, 1985, so just two years before this. Right. I don't know, David, how long um, Alan Moore lasted on, on Captain Britain. We could check the, okay. But I don't remember him being... I didn't walk away from each installment thinking, man, this guy is an asshole. So <laughs> I'm guessing that Claremont ramped up that aspect of his character. I, he actually was kind of likable, from what I can remember. Like, I think the Captain Britain... In the 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 Alan Moore, Alan Davis Captain Britain was akin to the one that we read in the Marvel Team Up. Okay, issues that makes sense. Yeah, but I could be wrong, which means absolutely nothing, <clears throat> right? Uh-huh. Yeah, but a tour de force visually, um, fun stories, and uh, featuring characters we've. Uh, We've pretty much grown up with in comics. Uh, pick one, your favorite member of Excalibur in these six issues. Oh, in these six issues? Yes. I mean, oh, geez. I, I love the lineup, I, I have to say. Um, but you're, you're saying based on what happens in these six issues, or you mean. Well, like. We shouldn't speak beyond these six issues because this okay. is the book of the month. Sure. Well, then. Yeah, then I guess Megan then. Okay. Nightcrawler for me. Yeah, see, I, it, I'm out of... I came this close. I want to, I, I probably will say Nightcrawler. It, thinking about these issues, and yeah, they, they, they're, they're finding their footing as a team, but, but no one really gets to shine. Like, we see, we see Nightcrawler working out in, on, on his home gym, and but we don't you know he's he's hurting, so he can't he can't teleport everywhere with, with with the quickness. Kitty doesn't have a grasp on on her ability, so it's not like anybody's really everybody's struggling. Everybody's almost handicapped, hobbled to some degree in in these five issues. But um, as much as I want to say Kitty because she just because because of her attitude, and, and even at the end where you know her and Courtney are thinking about each other and and. Um, in positive lights, I, as, as much as I really enjoy the look of Captain Britain, um, my, my favorite character in this, in, in this particular book is, is Nightcrawler. There you go. 
Now the sword is sheathed. <laughs> you just want to move mm. on, don't you? Yes. Well, there's only so many ways you can say, my God, what beautiful artwork. That's true. You know? So uh, if you would like to play along in future books of the month, check out the Patreon page. You can get in there and cast your vote, and it will be counted, rest assured. And then maybe we'll go on at length about the thing that you want to hear us go on at length about. There you go. Yes. So um, I'm guessing this episode is going to be a very mutant-heavy episode. Mutants in the house! Right, because um, House of X, number one, came out this week. The... uh, (laughs) I I, I, I left it in the other room. I'll be right back. The heavily anticipated relaunching of the X universe. This isn't just a a soft reboot. Hickman is, is, is going in deep. And... He's introducing new concepts that pretty much uh, it's a sea change in in the the mutant verse for Marvel and God damn it didn't we need this is this is exactly the book I think we needed for the X Men um, but I'm not gonna steal his thunder Jason's gonna tell you all about it oh boy um, so yeah I mean as you alluded at the beginning and you're probably tired of our Slack conversations, I thought this issue was as good a first issue as I can remember reading in many years. Um, now, we all have our own slings and arrows, our, our, our baggage, our crosses to bear. Uh, Y'all know I, I, like many readers our age, we spent a lot of our lives buying books just because of continuity and not wanting to uh to to stop having the the numerical collection in our long boxes um most of us broke that cycle over a very slow and drawn out period um where we don't do that anymore but really the the only two books i ever continued to do that with were the the main x-men books whatever they were called at the time and the main avengers books and um, it's definitely fair to say that the Avengers books uh, have been far more consistently good. Maybe not always great, but more consistently good. Um, there have been some rough patches with the X-Men, and uh, I have continued to read. In fact, I was thinking about it this week. I don't think there's an X-Men comic, um, putting aside like like event tie-in miniseries or whatever, that I haven't read. Um you know, I, I've certainly stayed with with the X universe far more consistently than y'all have, and you're probably the saner ones for it. Um, but I also know that that the whole impetus of having Hickman come and and back to Marvel and do this um, was was the fact that look, uh, I think there's a case to be made that much like with the Fantastic Four when we talked about a few months back, um, it's pretty much inexcusable for the X Men to not be one of the premier commercial successes, um, you know, for Marvel. And, and it hasn't been that that way for a long time. So, yeah. So, so they gave Hickman the keys of the kingdom. He is the chief creative force. He's got a Bible. He's going to do his thing, but he's also got full control. He's, he's essentially the the editor. He's not doing the editing, but he's basically the, the line editor. He, he gets to pick who's going to do the books. He gets to, say yay or nay to the individual um, 
uh, mutant related series that are going to come out of this. In fact, we've we've got it. We've gotten a taste of uh, of some of the books that are going to come from this at San Diego Comic Con. But in any event, um, you know, with this and um, and Power of X, we we we've been getting a lot of hype, and sometimes hype can be the victim of uh, or can be the uh, enemy of of enjoying a book because you know the more you build up something, the harder it is for it to. Uh, meet or exceed your expectations and maybe that's why i'm geeking out so much on this because i feel like when i read it i thought oh my god this this more than exceeded what i hoped and i had high hopes and then i was so gratified to uh sorry my dogs are going crazy right now um i was so gratified to uh then see so many people in our facebook group and online that had essentially checked out of the x universe for a long time give this a try and be pulled back in like a tractor beam. Um, and, you know, it was a pretty easy thing to think I was going to enjoy this because, A, I'm a massive Hickman fan. Uh, B, I've, uh, I'm an X-Men mark. Uh, and C, I, I'm on the record as loving Pepe Larraz and think he's one of the two or three best people drawing stuff at Marvel right now. Um, but I definitely am super stoked to see people like y'all and and – Cliff and Justin and a lot of folks on our on our group that that again don't aren't don't have that emotional um, loyalty to the characters and yet still found this to be entertaining. But uh, I, I have pages of notes on this. I mean, I, I've read it three times. I, I thought that that uh, everything a first issue should be, especially one that that is auspicious as this in terms of resetting uh, a universe. I think Hickman hit on and. Um, the other great thing is they if there was any question that they were giving him the keys of the kingdom, that was all gone when you look at the trade dress or rather the cover and you look at the 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 what three, I think there's three different double page spreads that are just that nightly news esque Hickman data porn. Um it's yeah, just the infographics. Yeah, just infographics is, and text yeah. and and you know, that's not something that that uh, you just do, but but it's something that Hickman's books are known for, particularly his creator own stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean the the premise is as follows. Um, basically, it's a it's a Professor X has decided um, he has set out a a telepathic message to the world that basically the X the mutants are uh, they're they're taking control of their of their situation. They he he's created a new nation state, which is Krakoa, which you all know is uh, is a mutant himself, basically a mutant, a, a living mutant, mutant island or, or, or landmass. And he's made moves. He has um, used his vast wealth to buy a pharmaceutical company. He is using Krakoa and to sin- and, and the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical company has synthesized a number of drugs. And those drugs are basically his currency to curry favor and political influence. Uh, in exchange, Krakoa is going to be the haven for the mutants. It is going to be a place where humans are not allowed. Uh, and we are introduced to all those concepts over the course of the initial part of the book. We are shown um, we are shown the um, the budding flowers of uh, purple flowers on Krakoa, and Colossus is plucking them and then over the next few pages we see uh, a panel each of different x-men planting those flowers in different key points around the marvel universe 
Um, Hickman does nothing by by accident, so I think it's worth noting who who the mutants are that he focuses on. So you've got Colossus picking the flowers, uh, Aurora plants one, Nightcrawler plants one, uh, probably the most surprising Armor plants one. Um, shout out to, to, to Whedon and Astonishing X-Men. Uh, Beast. Jeez. Um, <laughs> Say it like that, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Beast. Astonishing uh, X-Men brought a lot of people back too, you know. Oh, for sure. No, no, for sure. But Armor is a sort of a... Yes, I know. Of all the characters, I know. Um, Beast plants one, Kitty plants one, uh, and the Cuckoos um, plant one. Um, and then uh, then we get some talking heads, the, the different ciphers for the the political human power brokers. Um, and they are going to Jerusalem to one of the, uh, to one of the habitats as they call them. And they are greeted by Esme and Sophie, which are two of the, the, uh, the Stepford cuckoos um, who then lead them to Magneto resplendent in an all white version of his costume. Uh, the uh, head mutant in charge, HMIC. And uh, the dialogue just got me through this whole thing. Like, like, you know, Magneto is saying Charles Xavier won't be joining us. Uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm here, uh, but I'm, I'm a poor substitute. But I'll have to do. It's like, yeah. When did you ever hear Magneto? Yeah, I mean, Magneto's like deferential like as fuck. To, yeah, I'm like, wow, right? Um, we get a Hickman graphical two page spread showing off the flowers of Krakoa, um, divided by those for humans and those for mutants. The humans, which we were already introduced to earlier in the book, are a pill that adds five years to a human life, um, a super antibiotic and a pill that cures all mental illness. And then on the mutant side, there is a pill, uh, that creates a gateway for mutants, uh, or flower rather not pill, sorry, a flower that creates a gateway for mutants. Um, basically a, tra- a travel system, uh, a flower that creates the habitats, a place for them to, to live. And then one that's in black infographic. And that's basically a Krokoan tumor. It creates a, a secret place that it is that is in Krakoa, but Krakoa is unaware of. And so that's foreshadowing. Obviously I, the question yeah. is who created that, who who's running the show there, who's the villain here. I mean, it could be, could be any number of people. It could be apocalypse or sinister or new. I don't know who, um, and then you've got a scene where a bunch of young nondescript mutant kids are being shown the, the, the way that things work and, and, and Jean dressed as Marvel girl and known as Marvel girl now is explaining how the gateways work and that Perko is very protective and she takes them through the gateway. And as they're coming through, we cut to a scene where, uh, it, and this is Pep, some great work by Pepe. You've got this, uh, like, like gigantic, like Krakoa has got, it's a, a wall of Krakoa with all these eyes looking out, but then it's integrated on the circuitry and you've got, uh, you've got Ford, uh, rather you've got Cipher, Doug Ramsey, and, and Sage, two of the the smart techie uh, mutants working together, building a essentially a, a technology infrastructure built into Krakoa, uh, and setting that scene. And you notice that Doug Ramsey's arm is is Warlocky, so it's it's Doug Lock really, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, then one of the really weird scenes is that uh, as as Marvel Girl and and the kids come through. To the main Krakoa setting, uh, Xavier's kind of off in the distance, and and the kids see him and they they they're they're just taking it back like he's he's like their mega star, like the most famous celebrity ever. And she said, "Why don't you go go talk to him?" And 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 they look over and he's just kind of standing there, and 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 Wolverine's like playing giddily with a bunch of little kids, which is pretty surreal. Um, and Xavier does a little mind like, "What's up? You know, it's all good." 
And the weird thing there is that like you're you're definitely getting this vibe that Xavier's like a cult leader to the nth degree. I mean, they all are worshiping him. And I don't know if y'all thought this, but I, I and we don't see Xavier's face, right? He's just wearing he's wearing Cerebro as a helmet. Um, I wonder is this is this Xavier? Is it the same Xavier we know? Like I I, I don't know, right? I mean, that's why I, I asked you initially. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. why is Scott? Professor X. Oh, I see. Right, because it okay. it looks to me like like the well, face see, is obscured, which looks like Ultimate Reed Richards to me too. Right, it looks like the Maker, yeah. which is what I thought at first when when we first saw the teasers. But what also is kind of giving me that vibe is the lowercase lettering. That 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 Ultimate Ellis era. Well, that's thought that, speak. That, 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 that. Oh, you mean in all of it, right? No, right. in all of it, in all the in all right. the balloons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the thing that this this sequence got me, the last three panels when Jean just looks at him mm-hmm. and he's speaking to her telepathically, I always thought, even back when I first started <laughs> reading X-Men, that Professor X had a thing for Jean. <laughs> and this this is why I was like, okay, there's a little, there's an undercurrent of something here that's why i thought it was scott but there seems to be something else going on here and the thing i had a question i had for you is what in the hell was going on in the first couple pages where the the mutants are popping out of those gel sacks yeah no is he creating mutants like clones no i'm with you i mean that's true i should have skipped over i mean the opening scene is is beams of light almost like teleporting or shooting into this Krakoa tree and then coming out of these matrix-like pods, organic pods, full of fluid, are naked versions of the X-Men, um, one of them being Cyclops. Um, now, okay, is now are you... Because since I've read this, I've been reading some theories, and some think that it may... It may actually be Vulcan and not necessarily Cyclops. No, because they, they, Pepe wouldn't have. He drew the he drew the red glowing eyes. I mean, I don't. So that was to show you it was Cyclops. Okay. Oh, so is it? See, this is the unknown. Is it a new Cyclops? Is it a right? Is it a, a Cyclops it's, that underwent some kind of procedure to cleanse him of whatever? Right. Yeah. Well, we don't know that. Right. I mean, right. That's that's unknown. Right. And then you've got the classic again to Whedon. I mean, Hickman's definitely a fan of the Whedon stuff. He, as they're coming out of these pods and reaching up to this godlike version of Xavier, he says, "To me, my X Men." So, I, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I read. I don't know. Are they? Are they? Re, re, are they reimagining of them? I don't know. We'll, I'm sure we'll find that out. But I don't think this is Charlie. No, I don't. That's okay. again. I think one of the cool things about Hickman is he's so meticulous. I. I it's not a coincidence that we don't see Charles's face in, right. in this first right. issue, right? right. Why does he need? I mean, yeah. Why does he need Cerebro all the time? Why right. does he? Why so, does he have that helmet? There's only, yeah. in my mind, there's only one reason to wear that helmet is to obscure his face, right? Or majority right. of his face. Yeah. But I think Gene would be able to tell, maybe that it's not. Professor X, but I don't know. I mean, that's it's one no, of the right, well, it, it, and it, it is a reimagining. So maybe it is Professor X, but Professor X isn't who we view him as. Maybe he's an alien, or he's a benevolent. You know, maybe he's a, a malevolent force. We don't know. We don't know. So was there um, anything in the X books leading up to this that no, no. they just end? They just fizzled, right? 
No, it's still. I mean, um, Uncanny's still going on, but I'm like three or four issues behind. Hmm. So I don't know if the last few issues have tried to lead to this, but I don't think that they have. I don't see why they would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's the stakes are very, very low. So yeah. when Hickman is is your follow up, you you know try and go out with a bang if you want, but it's not gonna it's not gonna work because you're gonna be overshadowed right. by the guy that comes on next. Right, uh, and then you get this cutaway to a whole different scene, a uh, space scene, um, where some people are approaching a gigantic space station, and uh, we get the, it's called the Forge, which uh, is interesting, because Hickman yeah. mentions that Forge is one of the strongest, he is the, Forge is not an Omega-level mutant, it, it, he explains later, but, it, but Forge is one of the most powerful mutants on the Earth, so you wonder, is that... Is that a coincidence that this place is called the Forge? I don't know. Um, it wasn't the. F- and, oh, I'm thinking DC. I'm sorry. No, that's right. Yeah. And on the on the 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 crew docks onto the space station, and and it's uh, it's uh, a, a woman named Doctor Gregor who's the leader. And and props to Hickman for mentioning Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I mean, talk about deep cuts. Um, someone named Erasmus, and then someone named Karima, which. I'm sure many people realize is, is Omega Sentinel. Karima uh, Shandapar is, is actually, a, at least in terms of normal continuity, is, is, a, is a former member of the X-Men. Um, she was a, an Omega Sentinel turned, turned X-Men. But uh, in any case, she's working with them now. Um, and we come to find out that the space station is being powered by an absolutely massive Sentinel head. Like, like massive, like, you know, just, just many, many times larger than a normal Sentinel. Um, and it's the, uh, the Orcus or Orchis, I think it's Orcus, Orcus protocol, um, which, which is, is nuts when you think about it. It's crazy that all of these organizations, all of these organizations yeah. are now anti-mutant. Right. It's, it's, it's your point. He explains this Orcus protocol was this doomsday scenario and it wasn't just about mutants per se at first, but it evolved into this doomsday scenario of protecting humanity from mutants taking over. And it, it mentions that it was a cross collaboration between strike and shield and you know all, all the litany of other groups and um and and dr gregor as we find out is the leading scientist and authority on what has been known as the cromagnon problem um which essentially explains that um given the nature of evolution and and how potent mutant uh, mutant evolution and and uh is that that the cromagnon problem suggests that unchecked it'll just a matter of time before mutants just take over the earth and uh render humanity uh extinct and that were it not for the wiping out of a lot of the mutant population in the genosha massacre um all that really did was buy humans a few extra years of time um and we're back at the point where uh the countdown is beginning again and humanity has about 20 years uh left until they're fully extinct so, but the uh, the the important yeah. thing I think is the production of mutants is at an accelerated rate where they thought it right. would just yeah, proceed yeah. apace. Yeah. It's even uh, post Genosha, it's accelerated. Right, right. Genosha just basically it's like um, it, it's just like you know like like culling trees. Right, you know? right. It, it's it it it. This would have already happened. Humanity may have already been extinct were it not for Genosha, but but Genosha basically just. Uh, uh, but we're, it, speed it, it's, it's happening again. Yeah, it's speeding up. Um, we get a, a, another Hickman infographic of the Orcus uh, org structure, 
with some characters that I'm personally not familiar with, so I'm assuming they're mostly new. We've got the head of it is named Killian DeVoe. Uh, then we've got Zaha Gary, who is affiliated with Alpha Flight. Uh, Walker Kin, who's from S.H.I.E.L.D. Aaliyah Gregor is the, again, the scientist we've already met. And then Karima. Um, then we get another cutaway to another part of the whole story, which is a segue to what we would normally know as the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yep. You've got Mystique, Sabretooth, and Toad. Um, and very cool twist, Toad is the brains of the group. He's a badass <laughs> computer hacker. Um, Give me a minute, will and, you? Okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, Sabretooth and Mystique are whooping that guard ass while Toad is trying to um, to get whatever he's trying to get. And, and we find out that they're at, at damage control, which in the Hickman verse is being described as essentially a repository for all of the most important Tony Stark and Reed Richards technology holdings. Yep. Um, they uh, they do what they got to do, trying to escape, and uh, what happens? But they are <laughs> thwarted in their escape by the FF. Oh, kick me in the ass! That was so I good. Know. And uh, for a minute, I'm reading this and thinking, "Oh man, Hickman's pretty good at uh, he he's got the the FF down pat." And then I'm thinking, <laughs> "No shit, Sherlock! He probably spent five years <laughs> doing that book." But um, yeah. So like they they uh. Mystique and, and Toad make it through one of the Krakoa portals, but uh, but uh, Susie uses her her powers to block Sabretooth from going through, and, and they're pissed because Sabretooth essentially gutted and nearly killed hundreds, or not hundreds, but dozens of human guards, and uh, so they want him to pay for that. And uh, and and the, then it's we we actually then cut away to another part of of the story where uh, where. Um, where the suits are talking to Magneto and, and uh, they're, you know, they're getting a tour of some of the, the stuff and, and, and they're, they're, they're being polite, but they, they essentially start getting a little irksome and, and mentioned to, uh, to Magneto that they think this, all of this stuff, like being able to go from one point on the planet to another in a matter of seconds is, is a very dangerous military advantage. Uh, and Magneto just says, listen, bruh, <laughs> and I thought it was awesome. He he goes into his like, listen, basically he says, this is a you problem, not an us problem. He said, you know, mutants have never, there's never been a mutant war. Uh, we've, we've never conquered a people. We've never stolen their land. We've never made <laughs> slaves of the vanquished. <laughs> That's our real advantage. And, you know, basically putting the mirror on the human saying, you guys are the fucked up ones, not us. Um, and, uh, and then he says, look, mutants are the evolutionary inheritors. Uh, you know, we know that the earth is ours, but we're, but, Professor Charles Xavier is being benevolent to y'all. He's decided that even though it's ours to have, we're going to give it to you. We're going to let you keep it. And all that we ask in exchange is to be left alone on Krakoa. Yep. And let us be, let us be. And, um, yeah. And then we cut back to the scene with the FF. Susie blocks Sabretooth from escaping. And without skipping a beat, who walks through the portal? All diplomatic and shit, but, but Dash main man psych. Yes. And props to Pepe Larraz, by the way, because, you know, we've been fans of Pepper for a long time. We've talked about him. He's done the he, yes. he did the last X Men event. He did uh, one of the Avengers events, the uh, No Road Home, not Road Road Home. The the one does that is it No Road Home or the one before? I always forget. Um, the first one, the, No the, Surrender, the, No Surrender. Thank you. Um, he's a badass. And in this, he one of the things I love is that the the versions of these characters are like the perfect versions. Psych is skinny. I mean, not like skinny to the point where he looks weak, but he's 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 not. He's not super muscular. Wolverine's in his fucking brown and tan costume. 
Yeah. Magneto's <laughs> real big and imposing. Mar- uh, Jean's in her Marvel Girl costume. Like, it's all great renditions. But anyway. Well, um, wait, just but, stop. Stop for a second. Yeah. The panel where Susie says, you know, just a normal firework Cyclops. The little hip, hip That's up, my yeah. girl. That is yeah, my yeah. girl right there. Yeah. But Psych walks uh, out and he's like, hey, what's up, my peoples? And and he's dapping them up and he's like, <laughs> Mazel Tov to Ben. And marriage. To ben. It's like, he's and like Ben's Mr. like, thanks, Dip- Slim. Fucking calls him Slim. Yeah, he's Mr. Diplomat. It's all it's all good in the hood. All smiles, you know. And then uh, and then he pulls like a, you know, an office space where he's like, yeah, I'm going to need you to let me have Sabretooth. <laughs> and they're like, no, we can't, you know. And he's like, mm, yeah, but he's got, an, he's got amnesty, you know. Basically... Important times require wide berth, meaning like you're gonna have to let me have him. And uh, they're like, Nah, I don't think we're gonna really. I don't think we're feeling that. And Reed get it. There's a scene where Reed and Psych are kind of face to face, and you know it's not tension like they're gonna fight, but it's tension like they're kind of they're kind of showing their plumage. They're kind of doing a little dick measuring contest. And uh, I would assume Reed would win any dick measuring contest because he could just stretch. But anyway, sure. um, to whatever extent, finally Psych's like, Nah, you know what? Right, that's fine. We'll work it out later. You guys keep him for now. Anyway, and then like Psych walks off all cheery, being like, all right, man, listen, uh, you know, we'll figure this out later. I got to go. But then the ultimate chirp. I mean, this is <laughs> nth level punch to the gut chirp. As he's walking away, like all smiles, he's like, hey, make sure you say hello to Franklin for me and let him know that he has family waiting for him on Krakoa when he's ready. I was like, yo, like that is some gangster ass passive aggressive parting words right there. Like that was great, man. And Susie's all like, she's 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 all sad. She's like, oh, but 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 and I'm like, oh man, this is great. Like it's like it's like, yo, I got you. I'm gonna win this one. Yeah, he needs oh, a little bit of was, a slap for making my girl. I was marking out. On that. I was marking out. Yeah. It was straight up that was great, man. I love that so much. Um then we get a, a graphic, another infographic explaining what omega level mutants are, and that Krakoa's main principal reason for existing is to protect and cultivate omega level mutants. We get a list of some, I'm presuming, not uh, it's either all the known ones or or some of them. It, it's not quite clear, but but uh, we get a list of them, and they are Monarch, which is which is um, Braddock, known as Monarch, um, Iceman, Elixir. How about Elixir being a mega? That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, Marvel Girl, Legion, Magneto, Proteus, Mr. M, Storm, Exodus, Kid Omega, who's Quentin Quire, Powerhouse, who is Franklin. That's Franklin's name these days, I guess. Uh, Vulcan and Hope. And then we cut back to that scene of Magneto and the Cuckoos in the suits. And the jig is up. Basically... The muties have had enough, and they're like they call the suits bluff. They said, "Listen, we've been on to you from jump. We know you're not who you say you are." They go through who each of them actually are, and Magneto like essentially says, "I'm uh, listen. Shut the hell up. This is what's going on." And remember, this is all taking place in Jerusalem. And I, I again marked out because he says, "I'm." He's like, "You're never going to Krakoa. We're never because they were they asked, well, hey, when are we going to see the Krakoa itself?" And he's like, "You're not going to." One of them's got a gun. Of course, having a gun against Magneto is the most ridiculous thing ever. Magneto dismantles that quickly, and he says, listen, you're never coming to Krakoa. You were never going to come to Krakoa. I brought you to Jerusalem for purely superficial reasons. I wanted you, I needed you to understand you have new gods now. What? 
That's badass, dude. Not only did he know he was going to tell them that the mutants are gods now, but he brought them to fucking Jerusalem to make the point. That yeah. is gangster. That is so much badass planning. That's great. Like, what? Like, I'm going to bring you to the place that you, you humans have a ridiculous religious affiliation with, and just to make the point that we are the people you got to worship now. Like, what? Oh, my God. I loved it. I loved it so much. Um yeah, and then the book ends. The book starts on a, a quote that Hickman has uh, from Charles Xavier, and the book ends from a quote from Magneto, which is, uh, I have a new word for the lexicon of man, Krakoa, and in the future, when you speak it, make sure you do so softly and with proper deference, for we will be listening. I mean, if that's not a mic drop, I don't know what it is. I mean, this was like, it was ridiculous. And I know we just went through a lot of the plot, but I don't want to undermine what Pepe did on the page, because... Uh, he, you know, Krakoa. It's, it's. He does this great job of, of, of creating these bio-organic um, backgrounds and environments, which is awesome. And I think every character looked beautiful. And in fact, I, I made this point when I first read it that I, I thought in many instances Pepe looked like a spiritual successor to Alan Davis in this book. So I feel all kinds of karmic karmic uh synergies going on today uh with all this but uh i love yeah, you yeah I, mean, I don't see that at all but i, I, I understand yeah i mean i, I do yeah. love I'm it. just more, more like in some of the faces really i mean not not body types and stuff but mm. um but in either way i just i just thought this was an absolute home run and um now we know this is what issue one of probably 150 200 issues that Hickman's got planned <laughs> out, right? I mean, Let's so, just call so it six I, for now or 12. No, no, oh. this is a six issue miniseries and Power of X is, is going, they're, they're all oh, meant, they're um, meant to be together because he gives you a reading order right. in this book. Um, but it's, but, it's, it's um, uh, Powers of 10. The X is a 10. No, you're right. Yes, the Roman numeral. Yes, the Roman 10. Um, but yeah, I just, I thought he crushed it. I thought he took, I mean, anyone that's, that's, that he gave, things to anyone that was both a lapsed reader but used to read the x-men he gave things to people that were fans of whedon he gave things to people that were fans of morrison he gave things to people that were fans of claremont and burn um he created new concepts he merged them well he hinted at old characters and new roles he hinted at new characters i just um i don't know how he could have done better with this not he they i should say they i don't want to I don't know how they could have done better with this. Right. And going into it, people don't see what happens behind the scenes, obviously, because it's behind the scenes. But uh, Jason was all giddy about this. <laughs> and he was on the slack. And he's like, and he's wiggling his dick around. And then, and I'm like, okay. And then he goes on the Facebook page and he goes, best thing I read all week, boom, bam. And he goes into the semi-eloquent um, assessment of the issue. I was like, "Oh Christ, I have to read this thing." So I, I read it. I was so prospect you guys not wanting to read it. Yeah, no, I mean I was, because oh, look at let's be honest. I mean, real talk. We have been burned many, many times by the Marvel mutant verse. I mean, it always starts out great, and then um, the powers that be decide to muddy the waters and you have multiple tie-ins and multiple series and it, it gets all convoluted <laughs> and the, the, the mythology gets muddied and it's i mean that's the the curse of the mutant verse but fresh start great um okay i'll read it and i have to say i went in 
it's Hickman, so I was I was optimistic. I know my man. He does very good work. He's he's the smartest dude in any room. Um I enjoyed this issue very much. So I, I went on the Slack and I said, you know what? I concede. It was great. There's no way around it. I can't even front on this issue. Like I, you, there's nothing about this issue that I can pick apart. Like, oh, you know, that was a little lame or that was weak or, you know, bullshit. They wouldn't talk that way. Everything was spot on. All of these characters, um, yes, they are, quote, new for the, the Hickman iteration of the the x-verse that's great um the everything rang true the concepts are super smart the flowers of krakoa to use krakoa in the first place which has links to giant size x-men number one like if you're gonna reinvent the x-men and you throw a bungee cord all the way back to the past and you corral krakoa from giant size x-men number one you're kind of okay, yeah. right? You're on very solid conceptual footing. Uh, I think the flowers is the thing that 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 got it for me. Mm-hmm. That this mutant produces things that react with humans and mutants differently. Um, I, I think it's wonderful. I just thought the the conceptually, I think it's it's a, it's a home run. And the fact that he used the Fantastic Four was. You know, it was very, very smart to do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed all of it. You know, just, I have no reservations about this. And in fact, I'm going to read whatever he chooses to do. As long as there's a Hickman on the cover, I will read it. Well, the um, he's not writing all of the six ongoings that. Which is why out. I probably <laughs> won't read them. Um, listen, I, I was going to. I, I I had this marked to read, um, but what I ended up doing was um, I, I sent an email to to the comic shop asking if they could uh, put one aside for me because after um, after the tease, I had to um, had to see what would, what it was. So I I did I. I I bought the um and, and and shout out to to the rift because I have the premier variant cover which is basically the same cover as the Laraz cover just it it's like a a process cover some of it is in <laughs> pencils and black and whites so it's not the full blown color cover um he didn't have all dozen plus covers on display which is it's fine it, it would have been very I wasn't looking for anything spectacular but um, the you'll have to tell me when you get it, Jason. It feels like the the cover stock is a little heavier than like the Miss Marvel and the Doctor Strange mm-hmm. I bought yesterday as well. Um, but um, yeah, I, I I sent Jason a text yesterday, and I was mm-hmm. just like, basically, uh, fuck me, I'm gonna have to buy the the, the <laughs> next eleven issues because I, I I just I listen, I'm you know I. I thought, and, I, and maybe I'll reread it eventually and and see if it if, if my mind changes. But I mean, I I love everybody who loved the nightly news. I, I a lot of people I know absolutely adored Hickman's intro, and and it was cool. But it didn't knock me on my ass, and 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 that's fine. And but I enjoyed his Avengers. I enjoyed um, 
Infinity, and I wasn't super hot on his Fantastic Four. But again, people whose opinion I respect and, and people who are near and dear to me absolutely adore it. So that that's cool. It's 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 a case of not everything being for everybody. But um, no, East of West is fantastic. Uh, Black Monday Murders is great. But you know, X Men isn't something that, I, as I mentioned during Nick's Caliber talk, you know, I it's it's easy for me to kind of say, you know what, I'm cool with the X Men for now, and then I'll come back to it later on. And I read the first issue of the recent relaunch by everybody who was working Marvel at the time, working on that issue, and <laughs> and um, and, you know, and and and, and I, on read it. It was just like, and, and it was, and I think, and, and Jason wasn't there that week, and, and Vince and I talked about it real quick, but, um, you know, I didn't stick with it, and then, you know, when, when you're making a big deal, and, and Hickman is coming, and, um, and, and, and you get my boy who is, you know, the X-Men fan, as far as I know, personally, asking us, begging us to, to read it, and especially after, you know, I mean, I... We all play that game behind the scenes where one of us will read something. I, I did it recently with Doomsday Clock number 10. You know, we all do it. Where it's like, you know, I just please read this. I'd like to talk about it and we'll just pick it. But this was, this, this is, you know, no two ways about it. This is bigger than that one issue of Doomsday right. Clock. As big as that issue was, this is still. So, yeah, I, I'm going to read it for my boy. I'm going to read it because, you know, Hickman is going to try something with the X-Men again and maybe it'll give me a kick. So bought it last night and completely blown away. And, and, and I asked the guy if, um, cause it's not on my order. I, and I still, I, I I'm doing it tomorrow. Night, I promise. I, I haven't placed my July DCBS order. So I'm not sure if I'm going to go. I, I don't think I'm going to go through DCBS because this is something I think for the next, the next remaining 11 weeks, I think I'm going to want to go on Wednesdays and pick this up. So I, I, I can read it. I don't know if we'll do the whole no surrender and read it for every week, but I, I this isn't something where I want to wait and, and get it at the end of the month and, and kind of be behind a few issues. So I think I'll probably um, pick up these two six issue minis that uh, have a reading or, you know, I love, I love checklist. I love it when you read an event and, and it tells you, you know, this is what you're supposed to read next. And and you'll see on one of the pages where it breaks down the publishing schedule. The reading order is House of X number one, Powers of Ten number one, House of X number two, Powers of Ten number two, then Powers of Ten number three, House of X number three, House of X number four, Powers of Ten number four, House of X number five, Powers of Ten number five, and then House of X number six powers of 10 number six all from now until october 9th so how do you know it's powers of 10 it's been said oh okay and he will and and it will be explained in that series why it it, that title is is why it is that i think they should i think they should have spelled out 10 then because if you have roman numeral and yeah it's X, but it's or, or put the bars on top of it right. if it's going to be powers of ten because it looks like an X to me. It and absolutely it, that's, no, that's, and it that's, when you put it side are. by side with a, a, a concurrent series called House of of X, why isn't it House of Ten then? 
You're right. You're right. And, you know what I mean? For, like it's just it, conceptually, it it if and, and it I, doesn't make sense. Yeah. There's even an interview at on Marvel.com, and I think there are a couple interviews out there. But yeah, and I don't know about Twitter, but people have. It, it's been I'm sure stated they thought it'd be clever as a play on words because everyone assumes it's yeah. Well, then put the bars power, on top. Power of X, but yeah, yeah. And there are three particular issues marked in red out of these: right. House of X number two, House of X number five, and Powers of Ten number six, which are all supposed to have some oh shit moments. Um, so you're, you're you're being warned ahead of time that as as great as some moments are in this particular first issue, setting things up, um, you ain't seen nothing yet. But but this was a um, yeah, this is one of those things where I. I am excited about, you know, going to the shop and, yeah. and getting the issue and, and reading. And, and because you're, this is, this is a ground floor shit. This is, you know, whatever, you know, yeah, there are little neat nods and, and, and things you'll get and pick up if, if you're a long time X-Men reader and, yeah. and, and you've, you've been through a thick and thin like Jason has, but there's also, we all, as long as as long as Jason has been reading X Men, and as Vince and I have been in and out of it over the years, we're all kind of on equal footing here because there are questions that Jason had that you know Vince and I sure as hell don't have the answers to. So we're all playing, we're all finding yeah, out sure. yeah. at this time. And I you, absolutely you can't don't. eclipse the past. There's there's a reason why that scene with Wolverine works with the kids is because of all of the baggage that we we carried along with us with wolverine all of those stories we read of the berserker rage and the killing mm-hmm. and the, the it's that that scene works because of everything that came before it it is hickman because it's hickman and, and this is its own thing building on the past you can't you you, you as cool as this is if this is, you know, if you've never read the X-Men before, if you've been away from the X-Men for years, yes, this is something you can read. This is something you can start with, but it exists and and is as, I feel, it's as solid as it is because Hickman is not ignoring what came before. It's, right. it's as much sure. as much crap we want to make, give to Claremont. It's the years of work he did that allows people like Hickman, like the previous volumes of all the X-Men books before this, that um, good or ill, you know, it, it's so there's no, this is what it is because of what came before it. But I am so looking forward to where Hickman is going from here. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm along for the ride for these 12 issues. We'll see how things go because it, it's, no secret that that Marvel likes to maybe overplay its hand and and do yep. too much of a thing. Yep. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anything. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not planning on anything beyond the sixth issue of each of these two series. I'm, I'm hoping because yeah. it's Hickman that I can, I can be happy with these twelve issues and and pick things up later on. Um, I can only imagine what the hardcover of this would look like, and and See, I'm that's where I think be, you're going to regret buying these in single issues. I'm not. No, I, I thought about it, and and I'm not because this is one of those things where it's when I read this, this made me think of the way I used to think, where a hardcover or a trade, a collection, is a reprint. 
it's it's a reprint of an original series and and it'd be cool to have the collection on my bookshelf and that'll look neat and i can read it all you know together mm-hmm. but right now i'm thinking not not so much a collector's mentality but this is this is the original form this is how yeah. this is how it was presented this is hickman mm-hmm. telling his story this way week to week that's how i want to enjoy it and and experience it so i mean the hardcover is going to be cool but i no no regrets not even a single letter yeah, i don't subscribe to that no theory regrets. at all sorry i know you don't it's fine yeah. it's fine um, to your point, you know, and I have been a critic of this, I, I do think that as excited as I am for this issue and what's to come in these next 11 issues to follow, um, I am equally uh, butt-clenched with nervousness over the fact that we're already, I mean, this, the, the the week of the first issue dropping, um, we already got six, like you alluded, we've already, at San Diego, they announced six Mm-hmm. ongoing series yep. um, that will follow this. And while I don't think it's illogical and I guess we shouldn't be surprised um, if I had control of Marvel, I would have done maybe two, one or two. I mean, one being the main X-Men book and then maybe one other and just let Hickman f- make those the only place that you had to go to get mutant stories, right. make them must read books that everybody that's even passively interested in Marvel mutants would be reading those book or two so that that's what we're talking about. It's in the zeitgeist. It's the, it's the place. It's the water cooler. Um, I, again, I, I'm not at all surprised they're not going that direction because as Vince alluded, they have what 47 tie-ins to absolute freaking carnage. Yep. So when you're talking about a massive mutant reboot, of course there's going to be tons and tons of books but I was a little crustfallen to see it getting hyped already. Um, I, I will try every one of the books, and I'm sure more than one of them will, will resonate with me, but I'm sure they all won't. But more importantly, a lot of the people, the lapsed fans that that are that came back for this issue and are excited by it and maybe will continue to read the next 11 issues of these two miniseries, I can already feel you guys' eyes are rolling. Like, you're not going to read these books. No. Like you're, you're not going to. I mean, and, and the books are uh, Excalibur, um, which is uh, Teeny Howard and Marcus Toe. Um, and it's uh, it's definitely a different incarnation of Excalibur. There's a new Captain Britain. It's a woman. Jubilee, Gambit, Apocalypse, Richter, and Rogue. So very odd, odd crew. There is Fallen Angels, which pulls at the heartstrings because – Big fan of that original miniseries when it came out, but uh, but that book is probably the one that's going to be the least well received. Good news is it's written by Brian Edward Hill, which which I know we're fans of Depp and I in particular. Um, but it's it's drawn by Sam Kudransky, which is mm-hmm. just a disaster. And and the team is Psylocke, Young, Cable, and X twenty three. I just I don't see that book sticking. Um, yeah, it's the one with the, Cable figures. Yeah, um, Marauders, which is a young-looking kitty, Pyro, Bishop, Emma, Iceman, and Storm, written by Jerry Duggan and uh, drawn by Matteo Loli. Duggan and Loli are a good crew. They they did a long run on uh, Deadpool together, so I think it's going to – I mean, I, that one could be interesting just because of the creative team behind it, but uh, New Mutants – uh, is coming back, and that's probably what I'm most excited about because it's being written by Ed Brisson and Hickman. Hickman's co-writing with Rod Rice on art. 
and that's the uh, it's the mutants team we would come to expect. It's it's Magic, Sunspot, uh, Karma, Wolfsbane, Cipher, and Danny Moonstar, along with uh, Mondo and Chamber thrown into the mix. Um, and then there's X Force, uh, which is the heavy hitters. Um, you've got uh, Gene, Logan, Beast, Colossus, uh, Quentin Quire, My Girl Domino, uh, Sage, and it looks like Black Tom Cassidy. Yeah, I guess it's Black Tom <laughs> Cassidy. Which is uh, yeah. So so uh, and then and then the main book, I mean, which is of course what you would expect, which is X Men. That is going to be written by Hickman with uh, Lionel U on art. I'm sure that'll be a grand slam. Um, and that is, it looks like um, Rachel, uh, Logan, Cyclops, Gene. There you go. Cable is in that as well, Vince. Uh, Havoc, Corsair, and Vulcan. So the whole Summers family is together. It's like Summers family and friends. Um, so, yeah. So, listen. I mean, again, I, I, I'm sure some of those books will resonate. Some will do well. Some will do okay. Some will get canceled. But I'm I'm not loving that we're already being marketed like the deluge, right? And I don't like, understand but, why. If if the mutants have established a utopia, accessible only by mutants, who gives a shit what happens in the rest of the world? Like, are these are these right. X books only going to take place within Krakoa? Or no, are, no. In fact, some many of them don't. Then what's the what's the point? Each one does have its own point, but. Whether it's arbitrary or not, I don't know. We'll, have to see. well, what I'm saying is, if they could, if they could, I don't want to say retreat, but if they can sequester mm-hmm. themselves within this utopia, who let the rest of the planet go to shit? Who cares? Right. Yeah. No. Right. It almost makes you wonder. By the end of these twelve issues, is this whole Krakoa idea already kaput? Well, I hope not. I hope not. Right. Yeah. So. Um, because it, I mean, it's it's the gateway concept to the nth degree that there's a a living entity that can just by the fact that they planted flowers in Mm -hmm. certain strategic points around the globe meaning that they can now be anywhere instantly that's brilliant Mm -hmm. and then it renders Mm -hmm. a lot of this um oh there's something happening in new york let's go like that's useless it's irrelevant you know but uh, i mean it remains to be seen Like, like you said but um, did you guys read the director's cut? Yeah. It was I, just like the, the Daredevil director's cut. Yeah. Normally, I can't re- stand the inclusion of the script. I really don't care. But <laughs> in this case, it's, it's yeah. funny. <laughs> With the redactions. Because there are sections that are redacted. In the, and that's typical yeah. Hickman. I mean, it's... It's just prime Hickman. And then you get a bunch of penciled pages with color and or yeah. pencil and inked pages with color. And it's it's nice to see. But um, sans lettering, ultimately, it's I mean, OK, it's it's for the fans. So, right. you know, do it. But um, I'm I don't see how I could read an X book f- Going forward, as Jason would say, that's not written by Hickman. It seems like a um, a clouding of the vision. The vision here is so strong that even Jerry Duggan, great. I mean, you're you're a very good writer, but you're not you're not Hickman. This this mm-hmm. seems like um, first chapter of a novel. We're going to get twelve chapters by the same guy, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's going to be right. great because it's Hickman. And then some other guy comes in to write chapter thirteen. Nah, I don't yeah. think so. 
No, nah, it's too strong. It's too strong of a vision. To, to I mean, I don't know what kind of pull Hick, Hickman has at Marvel. I don't. I think he has, you know, enough to pull this off. But I don't think he ha- obviously he doesn't have enough to stop the the deluge of further X titles. But I would have loved it if they just oh. just let Hickman do this for now. He. He kind of did that with Avengers, though, because one of the Avengers books was kind of handed up. It, it started with, with him and then co-written with Nick Spencer, and then it became Spencer's thing. Right. So well, he, he does he has done this in the past, but I mean, yeah, and, and the X-Men, there are so many. And as long as, he, as long as he's the guiding light, because he can only, there's only so many hours in a day, I, he's still. But then don't It's like Marvel stuff. Nights where he's like overseeing yeah. things. Yeah, so, then, well, then don't do it. Too, because if you think about. When Whedon did Astonishing, <clears throat> and when uh, when um, Morrison did X Men slash New X Men, um, we remember those runs as important and and quality and seminal. I guess I'm being fair. I mean, there were tons of other mutant books coming out when those books were coming out. So maybe we're overthinking this. I mean, maybe Hickman's book will be the. I mean that. Like that, what's going to happen there is what's going to happen, and most people are going to keep reading that and not bother with the rest of these, and so be it, right? Like so, so as long as they don't try and incorporate each of these books into each other, and six months after they launch, they have crossovers in an event. Like as long as they're just doing their own thing and they're adjunct, it's really I guess no different than the Batverse or the Spiderverse, where right. there's a bunch of books that that the diehard people want to read more and more Spidey or more and more Batman. And you read these two, but most people are just going to read. Tom's Batman, or right. or, or but the then I have to ask, why bother? And I know well, it flies I mean, in the face we know of the why bother. I mean, right? The, the it, why bother is they have to put out eighty to one hundred. Sure, books to, I get yeah. it. Yeah, but I mean, creatively and artistically, they don't need to be. But no, I agree. The, the bottom line, sure, they need to be because you know Marvel always overstays their welcome. If if they see something is is garnering attention they won't give you another thing of of a similar stripe they'll give you 10 more that's just what marvel does mm-hmm. and even more so than dc yeah i know dc pummels the bat universe down our throats mm-hmm. but you know we only have really um superman action supergirl what do we have three four superman books now super I mean, uh, Kryptonian books, right? We don't have too many, but right, right. I, I just, I don't. Well, no, want... that's not true. I mean, you, that's my. This is kind of my point. They, there are you just not reading them, right? I, I don't know. I don't even pay attention. There's but Supergirl. I'm just saying, there's, a, there's, there's Supergirl. There's, there's Lois. There's the. There's well, there's the, the, right, there's, those are the two. Those are the Jimmy two. Olsen right, books, Jimmy right. Olsen. Yeah, you're right, right, right. But there's I mean, what, what I'm saying is, when you have a, a creative vision that's so strong like this. I don't mm-hmm. think it does a service to the writer, and I would hazard to guess that. I mean, Hickman probably thinks it's a necessary right. evil. That yeah, go ahead, publish all those friggin' books. I'm just going to do what I want to do, and mm-hmm. and I'll approve, you know, whatever, as long as it doesn't infringe on what I want to do. You know, you're painting probably the the a lot both a logical and most optimistic view. Maybe that is right. Maybe he's like, listen, I'm going to be in charge. I'm going to make sure nobody does anything really stupid. But yeah, he like I, maybe he's like, listen, I know I know we got to have these other books, so I'm gonna just make sure that they don't fuck with my book, right? So and can, I mean, you, I you think can, that's a win-win. You win. Gambit, you can have Gambit. I'm not using Gambit, you right? Know, you, you, right, right. Yeah. I mean, as long as his creative vision remains 
untarnished by everything that's going on. Yeah, you can do this mm-hmm. other thing. Just don't walk on my grass. Then, okay, I guess that's enough for me because, honestly, I'm only going to read the Hickman books. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> because, this, I mean, again, we said it before. This was a powerhouse. And um, this is... Uh, this is like um, going on after the Beatles. Like, why would you even bother? Mm-hmm. You know? So there you go. Yeah. House of X or mm-hmm. 10, whatever. Um, and, you know, we'll see, Vince. Maybe I, I'll, either, I'll either happily double dip or right. Right, right. I'll ignore the collection. Or someone will end up with my singles. Yep. Or right. if well, they're I'm going just, for pretty bad. Yeah, I'm just looking at it as, I mean, from this first issue. Oh, being practical, I absolutely yeah, get it. Not even being practical. I, I, I'm thinking what is the best way to access this information in, from a future date? Because, I again, I thought this was a revolution in in the mutant verse i'm going to want to read this again i'm sure if i continue with hickman's x men that i'm going to want to you know refer to what he did on these two miniseries so and at some point in the future i'm not going to be digging them out of a, of a sure. long box you know I get that. so i, I just want to walk up anymore. to the boom pick them off the shelf and like oh okay that's what Charlie was doing when he pulled those people out of the goopy egg sack things in the first issue. Like, okay. That's, that's either something I'm going to want to do or the way I approached yesterday is that I'm going to be fine with these 12 issues because I know where it's going to go from there. And I'll, I'll pick up the collections of future stories based on what, Jason talks about or, or, or what everybody else says is, is worthwhile. But I'm, I'm looking at it as these are the 12 I'm interested in right now. So I want to read these right, when they come out right. and then see where we go. From there. Well, unless Jason puts his stamp of approval on one of these um, secondary X titles, I'm not reading them. I'm only reading Hickman. If, sure. J- if Jason said you got to read this because it's, it's crucial to what Hickman's doing or it, it factors into what Hickman's doing in a novel way, then I'll read it. But right. Well, I, I mean, let's be clear. One of the six is X-Men itself. I mean, that, that's a, that is the main book. That's the book that we knew was going to continue because – like that's the book that I think if you're going to read, that should be the one you continue and to that's read. The one I, yeah, because it, yeah. it has the Hickman on the cover. So that's what I mean. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I'll read it. But if it doesn't have his name on the cover, I'm going to be very wary about, mm-hmm. you know, approaching past the cover. No diggity. Yeah. It's, it's, I love it. Mutants aplenty. Right. It's just when, when you have um, a voice that is so strong, like Hickman's, it's, it's, again, it's a hard act to follow. And it just, it's just like somebody, you're in an arena and there's a person on the stage that's, that's, um, singing this beautiful song. You have one guy in the back who's like, you know, talking very loudly to his girlfriend. I don't want to hear that guy in the back. I just want to hear the guy on stage that mm-hmm. is that is regaling me with this beautiful song. That's all I need. And that's Hickman for me. I think he's the perfect writer for our times. 
and you know for good and bad because we live in mm-hmm. this this age of of info bursts and short attention spans and mm-hmm. and you know data sheets and stuff he brings all that to the table there's a reason why this book is is sliced into chapters with these 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 data bits in between is because the the current mindset of flip 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 on your phone you know that's who he's writing for and i think he does a perfect job of that for good and bad because i don't you know i don't think like that but the majority of the people in our civilization do they they want those yeah they want those short data bursts they they Mm -hmm. want to read a little bit and think about it and hopefully think about it and then you know flip to the next screen and see what's on there that's what this issue does it's like okay here's a little vignette that's the screen flip it here's what you just read these are the pertinent details the this orcus protocol this these are the principal players boom 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 you don't have to think it's all mapped out for you and then you go to yeah. the next and then it's the same thing here's here's um magneto in Krakoa, and he's here's the principal players and oh by the way this is what you're going to have to read next in a mm-hmm. list a friggin' list like if that's not the status quo of this world in which we live i don't know what is you know it's it's data for the people that the current civilization it, i think he conceptually visually the way this thing was put together it is of the time this could have happened no one else but now right yeah he's a genius it's it's probably not something well, we, it's definitely not something we have the time for tonight but you what you're saying has got my mind racing about how it, if we had to take the exercise of picking the seven or eight let's say biggest writers of the generation and and figuring out what makes each of them distinctive like what is it about them that make that, that are they known for in terms of their style or the type of storytelling I, just because as you're saying that i was thinking about how like comparing how hickman takes a idea and he builds these intricate long-running storylines um but not at the expense of being entertaining on an issue to issue basis. But, but when you think of Hickman, I think you do think of like this idea of these very detailed, meticulously planned stories. And, and, and then I thought, but so then what would I think of, like, how would I define Jeff, Jeff Lemire or Jason Aaron or, or Tom or right. Scott Snyder or Brian Bendis? Like what, what defines them? Like what, what is their superpower? What is their, mo that that you know and and we could again we don't have the time to do it but it, it just had me, it has me thinking that'd be interesting to try and figure out what makes each of those major writers of the generation distinctive i think like, we can do is, that it's yeah, gonna it's gonna involve some book or what is a brian bendis book or, right right it's gonna involve some research sure yeah sure. but i mean i think just speaking solely on hickman from my perspective i think hickman is one of the only guys out there that asks, why is this important? What is it about this thing that makes it important? And then he goes from there. He, he, he first understands what it is he's writing. I don't think a, a lot of guys and, and gals coming into various projects really understand what it is they're writing, like Frank Miller on Superman, right? <laughs> you know, you first have to ask, your, ask yourself, all right, I'm writing this character. What is it? Why is it? Why does it do what it does? 
And then he Hickman asks that. I'm, I'm sure he does this. He 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 probably ad nauseum ponders the 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 nucleus of what it is he's writing, and then he yeah. goes from there. Like, who would have thought Krakoa would be a major player in the X universe? And yet, it, now that we see it, it's like, well, why hasn't someone else done this? Because Krakoa is the firmament on which these characters reside. Like, it's the foundation of this entire new status quo. It is the reason they're able to do what they're doing. And yet it originated when the X-Men was first revitalized. So it's like, he's so fucking smart that um, I, I hate him, but I love him so much. I mean, I hate him because it's like, well, why can't I be as smart as, or as, as creatively intuitive as you are? And, and it, 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 he makes, he, right, sh- I mean, he shames a lot of guys in his wake. And it's, the, the, as you're saying this again, my mind's racing because I'm thinking, well, I could see, it would, in another, in an alternate dimension, I could see you not liking Hickman at all because the, the art for art's sake, the expressiveness, the, we shouldn't try and figure out the science behind this because it's not science is like such a core underpinning of what, turns you on about comics. Yes. And Hickman is anathema to that. I mean, yes. Hickman is, I'm going to boil this down to an equation and I'm going to solve that equation, but I'm going to put a really awesome and entertaining wrapper around it. Cause otherwise you don't want to learn the new maths. Right. So, but it is a testament to him that, that you can read him and find enjoyment because, well, remember I was a physics major at one time. No, no, no. I'm so not, I do. Appe- I do. No, I do appreciate yeah. the underpinnings of how things right. work. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, I. I mean, push comes to shove. I. I. I put more stock in the way that Josh Bayer makes comics. Right. And I you know I had to throw that out. So, um, the, you know, the visceral, <laughs> immediate. I'm just going to open up a vein here, spew it all out into the page. It's of the moment. In a, and it is what it is, but mm-hmm. there's a certain kind of beauty in a guy that's writing a symphony that makes it's like Tool. The there's a the Fibonacci sequence is is uh, if you if you play the the album Lateralis, the Fibonacci sequence is embedded in that album, and it's it's at the core of it. But you, you don't know it listening to it. You just think it's these off-kilter rhythms, a strange time signatures that, that you know, they sound cool, but um, at, at the core of it, it, there's a mathematical equation or, or a structure behind what Tool is doing on that album. And the Man, deeper... You're trying, to, you're trying to turn me on. I'm already, I'm already gorgeous and tingling. Now you're talking about Fibonacci. It's like, <laughs> man, this is like... This is like my welcome back episode. Yeah, well, it is your welcome, but no. But what I'm what? saying is, if you can express, if you can distill art to an equation, I'm I'm down. That's what Hickman's doing. He's he's basically moving blocks around in sequence in a novel way that is a structured statement that mimics an equation, right? So why wouldn't I think it, it's brilliant? I mean, and he does it in a way that has panache and style. Magneto right. telling 
the human population that, you know, we're the gods now. How do you not, you know, mark out, like you said, with that? It's yes. it's what we always wanted. Magneto is, well, not Magneto, it's, it's what we always wanted to hear, that this this next iteration of, of man realizes that they're at the top of the food chain looking down on all these humans. And it's like, yeah, we're going to be nice to you. You know, we'll give you your world, but, you know, Hosanna in the highest to us. So you should really recognize that. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, okay, enough of that. This has been an X episode. It has. And it hasn't killed me. <laughs> yes, sir. You heard. Everybody's in your travels have to be mutant related, too. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, unless they establish Conan as a mutant, then I'm out. Uh, All right, everybody. Hey, um, thank you for spending this book of the month with us. We hope we have done you proud. Uh, come back for next books of the month and next episodes. And if you want to get in on this book of the month thing and just get in on the fun that is EOC beyond the borders of this little audio file that you hear every couple times a week, you can go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics and you can understand why we have a boatload of people that uh, thankfully, wonderfully, beautifully support us each and every month. And uh, you wouldn't be hearing this without them. This is truth. Yes. Yeah. And um, in your travels, we talked about the first issue at length when it came out. And I let them pile up to the point where I waited for the first trade paperback collection to come out to read um, Jason Aaron, Mahmoud Asrar, and Gerardo Zafino with Matthew Wilson on color. It is, of course, Conan the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. He's back at home where he started. Yep. And uh, this is called The Life and Death of Conan, book one. I, I, I really have to give it up to Jason Aaron for realizing that the, uh, the mythology of Conan is, is sometimes more important than the current story of Conan, uh, that meaning that th- this whole thing with um, Razazel and, and you know, the, the, the crimson, crimson Witch and the two kids, it's basically a framing sequence. It doesn't play out at all in these six issues. I mean, not to any significant degree other than the, 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 uh, the last page where you have it's basically a story or stories that are building upon the mythology of Conan. Um, you get his um, his younger days, his, the time leading up to the um, his uh, ascendancy to the the throne, and um, my favorite of uh, of all of them is is when um, Conan becomes a a prisoner of the picks. If you read any Robert E. Howard, there's near constant uh, mention of the picks. They're savages. They're 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 un you know inhuman, warlike, um, just bloodthirsty butchers, and they're Native Americans, really. 
or or native a native culture that that mimics the Native Americans. And in this story, Conan becomes a prisoner of the Picts, and they. I mean, his 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 uh, his name is legend already among the or uh, the picks, not for for good. He's he's infamous among the picks as being the butcher of the picks, and he sees them as as being the savages that Robert E. Howard, you know, told us they were. But in 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 living side by side with the picks, there's a a, a, a reluctant respect. That is is earned by Conan and the Picts for each other. That initially, you know, they see him as a dog, a butcher, and they they don't give him any any wine, or they don't they don't treat him. They treat him as 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 subhuman, and and he in turn treats them the same way. But over a period of time, as he works with them, they see that you know he's he's not so bad, and and he sees that they are are not unlike himself in that you know they're a proud people they're 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 um they have a uh, an agenda in life as he does and i just thought it was a beautiful story in that someone like conan who is the um uh the the epitome of of live free or die right that he could have his opinions that have been instilled upon him for however long up until the point that this story takes place have them changed just by what he sees you know he sees that these picks aren't all that bad um and they 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 have similar emotions and 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 feelings and 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 uh endpoints as he does and they learn to live with each other i just thought it was a beautiful story that mm-hmm. that and it wasn't just all about hack chop slash giant snake you know it's it's i mean a lot of conan stories involve a giant friggin snake but this mm-hmm. one this one was more of a a coming to to understanding another race and i think that's what we need now right and not not another race but another another slice of humanity that's unlike your own if conan mm-hmm. can do it and the picks can do it. You know what I mean? Why can't I thought this was a very important story masquerading as, as entertainment, that it's something that we all need to learn. And here it is on the page in a, in a, a pulpy, um, character like Conan, where the, 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 the central message transcends the genre. It's something that we all need to learn. Right. And here it is in a four color comic book about, you know, uh, a man's man slack, hashing and slacking through the the his life. I just thought it was beautiful. And it it could come from very few people other than Jason Aaron. Uh, So, yeah, the the first volume is The Life and Death of Conan. Um, Spoiler, it doesn't end. It continues into volume two because, like mm-hmm. I said, the the Razazel storyline is just a framing sequence to tell great stories, as it should be, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you haven't been reading Conan, I, I suggest you do so. Mahmoud has never, ever, ever looked better. This, so good, right? This is Mahmoud's magnum opus. Yeah. Inspired work, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, thinking in, in like 20 years we're going to be looking back and Mahmoud's going to do a lot of great things in those 20 years, 30 years. But I think I think uh, Conan is going to be the thing 
by which he's he's uh remembered it's that good mm-hmm. yeah damn i i i can't uh come close to topping that so i you don't have to just going to say um you know what i'll keep it in the marvel family the um because I haven't, I, I barely started the issue yet. So I'm just going to say, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number seven. It um, kicks off the second arc. This issue is illustrated by Corey Smith. It is our boy. Yep. It is uh, titled "Faithless," part one of six, continuing from the annual that came out uh, a few weeks ago. Um, it looks fantastic. It's colorful. It's bright. It's, I don't want to say it's the opposite of what we were getting with, um, with Jeff Shaw, but it, it's, it's a different style and, um, a little bit of a different look from, from Corey, from what I remember with his Nova mm-hmm. stuff and things like that. But, um, this Donnie's still telling a story. So it's, it's, like I said, it's, it's beginning of a new arc. Um, I, haven't dug too far deep into it yet, so I don't know how much of that annual is going to um, affect this story or if you're going to be completely lost if you didn't read the annual. But, um, yeah, if uh, if you missed the boat with the first six issues, you could jump on it now. And the cover is really striking because there is a, um, there's a hand pressing up against uh, some glass smearing blood. Um down the window so um i'll find out whose hand that belongs to but yeah guardians of the galaxy donnie cates Corey smith david curiel uh there you go but you don't read the solicitations do you nope Mm. because they said they said whose hands that hand that was dun 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 oh i think i know whose it is because it looks all furry and stuff yeah okay you heard got it nice um in your travels, I did want to mention, because I don't want it to go by the wayside, um, the Eisner Awards went down, as they always do at San Diego. And uh, as always, well, as is often the case, we had some peoples that are near and dear to us that uh, took back awards. So um, atop that list uh, with four more Eisners is Mr. Tom King, who won... Ridiculous. Yeah, I know. He won Best Short Story for the second time. This time, The Talk of the Saints, which was the Swamp Thing winter special he did with Jason Fabak. Yeah. He won, no surprise at all, he and Mitch won for Best Limited Series for Mr. Miracle. Uh, he won, along with Gabriel Hernandez-Walta and Michael Walsh, for The Vision Best Graphic Album Reprint. And the biggie is he won Best Writer. For Batman, Mr. Miracle, Heroes in Crisis, Swamp Thing, etc., etc. And for those of you with good memories, this is the second year in a row that he has been named the best writer. Last year, he shared it with Marjorie Liu. It's insane. uh, It really is is insane. Um, Also, Mitch, of course, won, as I said, for Best Limited Series. But Mitch, for the second year in a row, was named the best penciler inker, uh, Miss Sherrod's. So, huge 
huge shout out to him. Is Mitch um, doing the Adam Strange thing? Yes, they are. That is oh, their new boy. project. Um, <laughs> our good buddy and frequent guest, Mr. Jeff Lemire, won another Eisner for best new series for Gideon Falls, along with his co-creator, Andrea Sorrentino. So that's awesome. Um, and yeah, a bunch, I mean, a bunch more, uh, awards. It's, uh, it, it's always a, a very fertile ground to find new things to read for me. Um, but, uh, but I wanted to make sure we definitely got those guys a shout out cause, uh, there are peoples. Um, and in your travels on the reading front, keeping with the mutant theme, if you haven't already done so, please give a read to giant size ecstatics. Number one. That was my book last week. It was. I yes. missed the episode. Oh, sick! Did you like it? You should have Yes, I did. I did. And okay. it's and and it's and I prefaced it by saying that I've never read any ecstatics. Okay, that's interesting. All right, we'll listen to that because that is. I, I'm I'm I would imagine this was almost completely inaccessible to you if you hadn't read ecstatics. But anyway. Um, but but I did read Ecstatics and I loved it. And this was a strange book because it's a one shot and it brings us back to twenty what twenty years, fifteen years later. Um, same creative team, Peter Milligan and uh, and Mike Allred. And I don't want to spend too long on it since you talked about it last week, but I loved it. I thought it was a great. I mean, it felt like they picked up right where they left off. I, I loved that they made it a legacy book where a couple of the characters' kids are going to fill their spots. Um, and I love that the team is coming back for a new ongoing in the excellent in 2020. So huge fan of the whole thing. Um, yeah. I, I remember when, when the, when it became ecstatics, it was, uh, it was X-Force issue number one fifteen. Um, it was basically this, it was the same kind of thing that Liefeld had been doing, but, he was long gone. It was Ian Edginton. I think that's how you say his name, writing the book and, uh, Jorge Lucas drawing the book. And it was just another arc with most of those characters, you know, cannonball, et cetera, et cetera. And then the next thing, you know, the next issue, like with no warning, the next issue of X-Force, uh, was, was the ecstatics team. They were calling themselves X-Force and at the initially, and then changed their names. And then the book got re- retitled Ecstatics and went from there. And it was one of those things, uh, one of those abrupt changes where the premise of the story, the tone, uh, the the style of Allred's poppy art, it just the whole thing was such a massive departure from what we were getting before that, that uh, it got a lot of people feeling some kind of way. It was one of those things like you either loved that they switched to this new direction or you absolutely hated it. And, uh, this was in the throes of nineties comics. So, so a lot of people hated it. I, I, I loved it though. I thought it was one of the best things that Marvel put out during that, that period of time. So yeah, nice to see it back. Yeah. Nice to see it back. It's like Scotty on new warriors, right? You know, you establish a status quo and then you have a guy come in that yeah. just totally yeah. shatters it. Yeah. Sure. I thought it was great. Anytime you can spit in the face of, uh, convention that's a good thing yeah Yeah. oh uh and i had posted on the facebook group um getting back to the eisner thing just because it's kind of cool um just some fun with with numbers i know vince loves numbers (laughs) um but no i think it's kind of neat because it's about it's it's very neat yeah 
Um, first of all, Alan Moore has won Best Writer nine goddamn times. That is ridiculous. Nine times. Um, Tom, who, as I said, just went back to back, joins a very select company of Tom King, Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman, Brian Michael Bendis, Ed Brubaker, and Brian K. Vaughn as the only people to win Best Writer more than once. How about that? That is a goddamn pantheon right there. It is. Yep. Um, Mitch, as I said, won um, for Best Artist in consecutive years. He's only the third person to ever do that, joining P. Craig Russell and John Cassidy, which is interesting to me because I am like, <laughs> I am Mitch is definitely my far and away favorite of that trio. <laughs> so good on him. And uh, he's only he's only the seventh. I know, I know. He's only the seventh. I know you love John Cassidy. Uh, he's oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, Mitch is only the seventh artist to ever win the award more than once, much less consecutive, joining uh, Kevin Nolan, who won it twice, Al Williamson, who won it twice, because for a while they gave the award to Penciler, Inker, could be two people or one person, um, Fiona Staples, who's won it twice, Cassidy's won it three times, your boy P. Craig Russell's won it four times, and the most ever wins in this category, how about that, Steve Rude, the dude, five times. It's impressive. It is, um, and it's well-deserved. Yeah, and the most ridiculous uh, category in this whole thing is, is best letterer. Todd Klein won it this year. It was his freaking 18th time winning the award. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great that's sick right <laughs> that's so todd klein can can be in the same room with alan moore and alan's like oh yeah what well, what i just i won eight or nine eisners and todd's like yeah dude i doubled that hold my beer you know well, now to be fair uh alan moore has 25 eisners all right all right moore. settle down yeah <laughs> todd klein is third all time with 18 alan moore is first with 25 number two is chris ware with 22 Wow. Again, how could you front on that? You know, Chris Ware, does he deserve 22 Eisners? I think so. Yeah. Some some of the the big-time winners are easy, like you could guess them. Some are surprising. Like Evan Dorkins won 11 Eisners. My man. Jill Thompson's won 13. My man, Evan Dorkins. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle Baker's won 10 Eisners. All right. Now we're talking. Excellent. Paul Chadwick's won nine. Preach. Yeah. It's all. It's pretty all good. Yep. So our man Tom is up to seven, and his career's just getting going, so. Yeah. Quit slacking, King. Get it in the double digits. Seriously. Oh, speaking of Watchmen, did either of you happen to see the HBO trailer for what they're going to do? I have not yet. Yes. Yes, I well, no, I haven't. I've, I've seen it autoplay without sound, so I've seen some clips. Yes, I have seen the trailer. I don't know what to think. Well, I just, I just don't know. <laughs> I was extremely put off by the trailer, but but I got to be honest with you, I was not paying much attention to it because I didn't want to. I wanted to be surprised by it. Then I saw the trailer and was put off. And then a few very kind EOCples let me know that. Uh, it's a sequel. Yes, it happens many years after yes. the comic slash movie. Yep. So 
I'm kind of back on it now. Like in the point that I'm going to try it, I'm going to watch it and see if I like it. I, I, I when I, I thought it was just a, an adaptation, like a television adaptation of the comic. And then when I saw the preview, I thought, Oh Christ, this is like on no planet, like what Alan Moore did. But, but, uh, but in any event, uh, yeah, now that it's a sequel and many years in the future, I'm going to give it a whirl. Yeah. Oh, and, Vince, you maybe because we're talking about Alan Moore and Watchmen, made me think. Did you see um, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt is getting the oversized hardcover treatment? I did. It's awesome. Yes. Well, and again, well deserved. Yes. If anything out of Dynamite deserves a hardcover treatment, it's that. Correct. Yep. Yep. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us on this barn burner. We hope you're here for the next one. If not, well, no, scratch that. You're going to be here next one. And while you're at it, check out the Facebook page. There's layers upon layers of Facebook goodness uh, for the EOC. Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, we're everywhere. We are, we are the flowers of Krakoa. Nice. Bringing it home, right? Uh, uh-huh. We love you so much. Join us wherever we go or whatever we do. We want you here with us because we need you. We can't do it alone. I'm not spending the rest of my life with these two guys so um, you wish i am come back we love you say good oh and as usual we got to do the, the 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 routine say good night no tapping this week i'm getting into a rut with the tapping i thought i'd talk a little bit in the meantime about jason and the young girl coming to terms with her sexuality <laughs> and the butterfly that symbolizes her her burgeoning sexuality and how it flies away at the end. And and it just moved him. And we love you. Say goodnight, David. David! <laughs> That's really long. I'm sorry. That really is a long one. You lost me. Yeah. I was busting your balls last week a little bit. You were busting what, last week? A little bit. I was busting your balls a little bit. Yeah. We're well, talking my obsession, my obsession with uh, with with Slice of Life OGNs. Yes, yes, the young girl and her sexuality, and it moved me so much because the butterfly symbolizes her her <laughs> labia, and the labia explodes. Just, you don't have a fucking soul. <laughs> oh my god! Some of us can. I have a soul. It's just dark. Wow, you said the F word, so you meant that. How did we get into a point where I'm the one that talks about indie books and you make fun of it? I love indie books. i just not <laughs> in tune with the indie books that you love. I'm sorry. It's yeah. good. It's all good. No, no kind of good taste in that. Oh. Mirror. Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and I said it already. Oh, you did? Oh, you did. Oh, nice. <laughs> I can't tell if that was spot on or not, but who cares, right? It's all fun. Come back next week. We love you so much. Say goodnight, people. Love y'all. Peace.